0: Welcome to the B Night nice Andy podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to the Be Nice Andy Podcast, a sports podcast for the people. My name is John Lee. And I'm Andy Benzwitz. So Andy, uh, I feel like this is deja vu We're uh, we're talking on a uh, recent Dallas Cowboys uh loss and um again like that loss. I didn't actually watch the game real time, but I watched the highlights and um you know, I was watching it and um I think I don't know, somewhere around the first quarter, I like to I like to watch a game and then think of what the what the line would be. And so again, I was watching the first quarter, I was like, oh, it looks like the Cowboys are probably going to win this one and they're playing at home I'd assume that they were like a 3 7 point 3 to 5 point favorite and uh, I was like yeah oh, they'll probably win by 3 or 7 and then as I'm watching this game and I'm like holy crap like bad play after bad play Mariota looking like a world beater with some of these running plays um, he sure he made mistakes but like I, I remember you you being so high on the Dallas Cowboys defense and I'm like that doesn't seem like it like today and um, well 28 points certainly isn't like a lot I don't know what the NFL averages, it's probably inflated this year. I was like, that defense didn't look that great uh, this game, but as, as mediocre as the defense looked, Dak and that offense just look I mean, that interception I, my jaw was dropped and I was like okay, I gotta, I gotta get Andy's thoughts on this he's, uh, I think he's gonna drop some F-bombs during this talk, but um, Andy, what would you take away from this uh, kind of heartbreaking loss? Yeah,
1: so it's basically just gonna be a weekly topic on like how we go over the Cowboys' losses, it looks like in this stage, which is what frustrated me so much in the first place because, you know here it is. At least when the Cowboys lost before I had like a a good draft pick to look forward to. Well, now I don't even have that, which is why I didn't want this stupid trade to go through in the first place. And so my thoughts on this one specifically, um, I would, I would actually disagree with you uh, on the defense. I I don't think the defense played uh, well in this game. I mean, they didn't play great, but early in the game, they did early in the game. They played real well. they were getting to the quarterback. They were getting turnovers. uh, They were making some things happen. And then I think what, what you see with, is. this defense or any defense really is when your offense isn't doing anything and your offense is consistently not uh, sustaining drives and constantly putting you in bad positions defensively, then all of a sudden you start to become a little bit vulnerable. And I think that's kind of what happened in this game where, you know, the Cowboys defense looked solid and then, um, You know, they get into a spot where um, eventually the the offense is going to start making some plays. The one thing that I would say about the defense that uh, I actually said during the game last night, which I was real frustrated about. Well it seemed like they were making really good plays on first and second down, and then they could not get a stop on third down and that's been kind of a similar issue with the Cowboys defense throughout the years that, that drives me nuts as they'll, they'll get the team the opposing team to like a third and long like a third and eight, third and ten, third and 11 uh, and then you really got to clamp it down at that point and get the stop and last night, I think uh, you know I don't know what the specific numbers on it were at the end of the game, but um, I think Tennessee actually had a very high percentage of, of uh, third. Down conversion so in that respect i'd say that the defense was uh didn't get it done but you know this is the classic uh cowboys offense putting them in a bad spot and not being able to sustain drives and put points on the board and no wide receiver uh, no trade for wide receiver is going to change that when the quarterback is the problem so that's kind of how i you know stand right now
0: so Andy, I, I actually stand corrected. I actually totally agree with you. I, I I do think that the Cowboys defense played pretty well, and then whether it be a byproduct of you know being disenfranchised with poor quarterback play or turnovers or just getting frustrated that you know your offense isn't putting up points, yeah, I did see the defense gradually get worse. But um, so I mean, I mean, it seems to be the topic. But like the big three, well, t- two part question: one, how do you think Omari did in his first game? Two, in terms of Zeke, Dak, Garrett, you know, the three the three primary contributors. I guess I would say, how do you think those three fared in terms of offense and the overall, you know, the end of the game basically?
1: Yeah. Okay. So first off, I thought Amari Cooper looked great. Uh, I, I thought that I mean, I, he's a good receiver. Okay, there's there's no question that he's a good receiver. I mean, he was drafted in the top five by the Raiders. I mean, they, he was drafted that high for a reason. And then I guess what you become from that point on is going to kind of be a byproduct of the team you're on, the offense that you're on, and then you know, I guess how well you develop to the NFL game. So when you see Amari out there last night you could see a clear difference between the amount of separation that he's able to get in some of his routes even just the quick short little you know funky routes that that he's you know one of one of which he scored a touchdown on you could see a clear difference um between him and some of the other cowboys wide receivers so in that respect great i thought i thought cooper looked great however where i still have an issue with is you know the risk versus reward when it it comes to giving up a number one pick for him and i didn't think that he was going to be no matter how good he was i didn't think that he was going to be good enough to fix Dak Prescott's problems and make him a good quarterback. And so, while I think Amari went out there and looked great, uh, it's kind of what I expected it to be. Where you know he had a few catches for you know some odd yardage, and off the top of my head, I'll have to I'll have to go back and look at the stats for I guess what his final line was for the game. Um, but you know he didn't make Dak a better quarterback. I mean, here it is, 14 points, and he's still making the same mistakes. And I'm sure that he'll improve a little bit uh, as they get a little bit a uh, little bit of chemistry together but um overall uh, you know Amari, i'd say did very well he looked good and the next part would be Dak is the same quarterback he's just he just continues to do the same i mean just, he just he continues to i guess fall back he's never he just hasn't gotten close to what he was as a, as a rookie and just another major turnover last night um you know deep in, in Cowboys territory which ended up you know resulting in a in a score for the Titans uh and again, with that, it's his whole pocket presence. I mean, I see Cowboys fans defending him, and they're like, oh, he doesn't have enough time to throw. No, I, I I don't. He has plenty of time to throw. The offensive line is not perfect. They're not as good as they were, I guess, the, next, the past few years, but the, the main ingredient in this is that Dak Trescott does not get the ball out of his hands. He stands there, and he he doesn't see the backside pressure. He doesn't move up in the pocket. He doesn't slide. He doesn't move his feet, and he doesn't keep his, his uh, eyes downfield. So he's going to be susceptible to that type of play, a strip sack or a sack or whatever the case may be, because he, he just doesn't seem to get it. Um, and he doesn't seem to put himself in a position to get rid of the ball. And you know, it's the same thing. Uh, he missed a couple shots downfield where he had uh, a guy open. I know he had Beasley on one throw. We didn't end up coming out of that with, with any point. Uh, and he throws an interception in the end zone, uh, trying to force the ball to Cooper in double coverage. So again, uh, I, you know, I couldn't possibly be more convinced that Dak Prescott is simply not the quarterback for the Cowboys' future. And listening to Jerry Jones it seems like. He's still pretty convinced that Dak is the you know the guy for the future, and uh, you know I, I just I guess I don't know what else to say on it. if if they're not gonna look at what this really is, then you know us as Cowboy fans are gonna be really stuck in a bad spot for um for quite some time. And so uh,
0: what'd you think? what you think about Zeke's performance? I, I wasn't sure how good uh, Tennessee's uh, rush defense was, and what'd you think about Garrett's uh, game plan? Yeah, uh, so I mean I, I felt like Zeke was fine. Zeke didn't you know. Zeke Did his thing.
1: Uh, There wasn't, I guess, enough room. Um, You know, there there aren't huge holes for him, and that's going to continue to be the same problem as well because teams simply do not fear fear Dak Prescott. And like I said before, uh, teams aren't necessarily going to start game planning differently for the Cowboys just because they have a speedy wide receiver. Um, They're going to continue to game plan the same way in preparation for the quarterback they're facing, not necessarily the wide receiver. So the defense is still, you know, uh, prepared the same way in this game. They still took the. uh, away, they did their best take Zeke away, uh, 17 carries, 61 yards, um, four catches, 51 yards. Uh, you know, so he was relatively effective, only 3.6 yards per carry. But again, some of those are just flat out running into a brick wall on first down. Um, and, you know, that, that's something that Troy Aikman and uh, and I believe uh, the other announcer mentioned during the game last night was that it's just so, so predictable. I think it was Booger actually who, who mentioned that it's just so predictable on first down that the Cowboys are going to run the ball. They're going to basically try to hammer it right into that line right on first down almost every single time and those are the plays where they just basically get nothing, uh, you know, they get shut down at the line and so a uh, huge part of that I would say it absolutely is game planning. Um, Jason Garrett is the same predictable uh, you know, below <laughs> average coach uh, and now it actually seems like he's losing confidence. Just looking at his um, body language I guess on the sideline, I saw him on the sidelines last night and he just had like this blank look on his face like, like he was almost defeated, like he just knew what was happening same old thing. And unlike, I guess, some people where they want to kind of go after the offense coordinator and blame uh, Scott Linehan, I, I'm not necessarily going to go blame him. I think that I think that the play calling is not great, but I think that also they're kind of going with what they've got at quarterback. I think that they're extremely limited in what they can call because they have a limited quarterback who can only do certain things. And the one thing I would say in the play calling change would be, you know, throw the ball first down more often. I mean, obviously, if you're not throwing it or running play, Action or run, say fifty percent of the time on first down. You're basically just putting yourself into a spot where you're running into a brick wall. And so, from that perspective, I think that the play calling is terrible. Um, but I guess the the next part of it is is Dak Prescott, you know, recognizing things at the line of scrimmage. Is he recognizing the coverage? Is he recognizing the the formation on defense? And then, does he have the ability to check out of the play on first down and say, you know, if I hand the ball to Zeke right here, he's going to run into a brick wall. Maybe I should be taking a shot downfield one on one because you don't see him doing that and the time that he has done it he's actually made the wrong call from what I've seen so yeah I mean that's I guess that's kind of where I'm at I am just I can't I just can't continue to watch this this head coach Jason Garrett I can't I can't stand watching the guy anymore
0: yeah I was surprised where uh of course with every weekly loss they definitely asked Jerry Jones you know are you going to stick with Garrett and I think he already said that he's going to stick with him um I, I don't know how bad you guys would have to be that Jerry Jones would make that change like it's it's kind of dis- disheartening but um so let me let me take each one of those points I, I had some follow-up questions so I think the last time we talked we kind of valued the Mario Cooper trade I, I didn't understand the timing of it like I'm trying to think of one of these teams where they're like running right the cusp like I guess like the Eagles right where they felt like they're somewhat underperforming this year versus last year and I, I don't know exactly what the reason is in terms of their personnel change or they just had a lucky year last year and their personnel is mostly the same and they just had you know Super Bowl hangover and they're not doing well but um, they made that trade for Golden Tate, right Right, so like I, I can understand that where they think that's kind of like a spark plug and that'll help them. Um, you know, with the Cowboys, I, I don't think you guys are like one or two, one major piece away or two major piece away where you could leverage your future draft for a win, win it now situation. So I, I don't care if it was Amari Cooper or you know, like I said, you know, Odell or uh, or Julio Jones. It, it doesn't matter who it was. I don't think you guys were one piece away. So I, I really didn't understand the move or timing. But in terms of Amari Cooper specifically, again, my only background with Amari is a few years. Ago, he was like supposed to be the next big thing when it was him and Derek Carr, and he just never really panned out—at um, least from a fantasy perspective. So let me ask you this: since obviously your football knowledge is better than mine, so um, who do you think is better, Mike Thomas or um, uh, Kenny Galladay on, on the, on the Lions? Uh, Michael
1: Thomas with the Saints? Yeah. Uh, well, I think Michael Thomas right now is a better wide receiver. Um, I think Kenny Galladay could be that kind of uh, wide receiver, though. I think that he—you know—he's only in his second year, so a lot of times with wide receivers—it uh, takes a couple. Years for them to kind of, I guess, get comfortable with the changes in the NFL, getting comfortable with some of the reads and some of the
0: okay, um, um, you know, that's a Cal- but yeah, I'll go with Mike Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins or Calvin Ridley. Oh, uh, Hopkins for sure. Okay, so basically, I- I'm-, I'm on the side. Football Outsiders they have this kind of they have these two different rankings. Basically, one's based on yards, one's based on value of a play, whatever. But um, based on what you were saying, I'm going to go off of this uh, yardage play. So basically, they have Thomas first, DeAndre Hopkins second, Tyreek Hill third. So so, it seems like an appropriate ranking. So, they have um, they have a Cooper at 31st. Do you think that's fair? 31st, uh, yeah, I think it's probably fair. I think once you get into, like, that
1: 25 to 35 or somewhere in that range, I think there's probably a lot of guys that are okay. very close. I think sure. that, you know, you've only got those five or ten guys at the very top. And then I think after that, you start kind of using some opinion.
0: Yeah. Great. Okay. So, so this is my point. And I am somewhat surprised this, this metric's specifically, which is based off yardage. Basically, if you replace this wide receiver with another guy, how much of a yardage difference there is. I haven't been following him that closely, but for whatever reason, Odell Beckham is 24th based on this metric, which he's such a named guy, I'm surprised that he's this low by this ranking. Do, do you think it's almost a little funny? or uh, Sorry, which 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 guy were you uh, talking there, this is some, some sort of like adjusted yardage ranking. It's called D. Right. But basically, again, this this metric has Mike Thomas first, DeAndre Thomas second, Tiger Hill third, uh, Thielen third. Four, but it has Odell Beckham twenty four. Yeah.
1: Well I think a lot of that has to do with uh overall I guess it's man, it's tough because there's so many different variables in it. Okay. And you know, you gotta take into account the the quarterback, the offense, the, the offensive line, how many you know, whether you're playing from above or, or playing from ahead or if you're losing. And I think that like pure talent wise, like if you substituted one guy for the other in a specific offense it's gonna change a lot. Like for example, I mean, Michael Thomas happens to be in a phenomenal system right now and I it because I've got him on my fantasy team and I was fortunate to get him in the second round of my draft uh and but you know you you've got him playing for Drew Brees in an offense that scores so many points whereas like the Giants can't score I mean they can't even get the ball out field. so it's like if, if OBJ gets like a 20-25 yard catch big deal you know got and it. so it's just for me it's, it's so much dependent on the type of offense and just I guess how good the overall team is and then like you look at the Vikings for example feeling I mean you wouldn't look at Thielen just based off. Of of like the type of position he is he's more of he's, I guess he's, he's probably more of like a slot guy you would think of more of a slot guy like a like a possession type receiver but he seems to make all the plays and that offense like utilizes him to the fullest so it's weird okay. I mean you just wouldn't necessarily think that he was that with those guys but statistically yeah, he is.
0: <laughs> I, I hear exactly what you're saying I guess the exercise I was trying to prove it probably is not not fair it probably makes more sense in basketball but I guess my point is you know based off of this metric right now I other than the named guys, you know, like Antonio Smith or uh, Julio Jones, but like Mike Thomas right now, right? Like before that, Amari Cooper trade, what round pick or how many years of first round pick would you have given up for Mike Thomas? If you were I mean, GM, I
1: would probably, yeah, yeah, I probably wouldn't. I, I guess I stand pretty uh, consistent in the fact that I don't want to waste a, a first round pick on a wide receiver. Got it. Like that's no just, matter how good It, just like, it could um, be anyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, like that's just me. Like that's just my thought process on when you look at like building a, NFL football team and the amount of importance I would place on specific positions and then the type of offense that you want to run. Like especially for the Cowboys, I, that that holds true even more for the Cowboys because like that's not their game plan. Like their game plan is pound the ball and try to get stopped on defense. Like so technically they the Cowboys should be able to be more successful with like three or four Cole Beasley type receivers versus like a guy that you have to drop a number 1 draft pick on. But I mean, if it was just pure talent I mean I think Michael Thomas is a legit first round pick I mean the guy is like a, a game changer I mean he's one of those guys he's in the top five in terms of like wide receivers if you got an offense that that could possibly be explosive he's that good so maybe on some teams but me personally I don't want to waste a, a first round pick on a wide receiver when there's so many other positions out there that you that in my opinion are gonna kind of tilt a team favorably or you know in the wrong direction that's just
0: my opinion so I, I I'm literally googling Doing right now, like, can you think of any trades in season that were game changers that either led it to the Super Bowl that year or the following year? I mean, any trades that jump out at you? I see uh, in, Roy Williams in, in 2008 was one on the list, the Cowboys, but yeah, and that was terrible. Yeah, that was a terrible <laughs> trade, too. This is another terrible
1: trade. I like Jerry Jones will never learn, like, he'll just never learn, no matter how many failures he had as a GM. He'll never learn because I mean, Roy Williams never even turned out to be a good wide receiver for the Cowboys. I mean, for the amount that they gave up for him and and what they kind of expected him to be. Like that was never really a successful trade for the Cowboys. So um but I guess if you're looking Well, I see are you the, talking you're not talking about just wide receivers. I mean you're talking about like yeah, other guess, position players
0: too, right? Well it seems like your position I mean, wasn't limited to wide receiver unless are you saying only wide receiver you wouldn't ever trade draft picks or you just wouldn't Oh mix I would it. trade I would trade I would
1: trade a first round pick. I'd trade I would for trade draft picks for Khalil Mack. I mean Got I would okay, trade okay. draft picks. I'm not sure if I'd want to give up like Three, Uh, he's that type of player, though. I mean, but yeah, a player like that—that's a—that's a a game changer for me. Especially if you're like the Cowboys, for example, where like I think that if you stacked up a couple other guys that are like big time playmakers, like on defense, for example, or you got like a sure thing, even like a sure thing offensive lineman to like mix into that offensive line with the Cowboys, because if you look at like their offensive line struggles this season, uh, primarily it, it would probably fall in the hands of the rookie who could probably use some time just getting more strength and kind of building into the scheme, learning guard position a little bit better at the NFL level. But like a player like that, that you could plug in and now all of a sudden your offensive line could potentially be what you expect them to be would make a big difference. So I think there are impact players that you get. I don't think that the wide receiver, especially in the Cowboys offense, is an impact trade. Uh, Then you look at like Josh Gordon, for example. I mean, he's making an impact with the Patriots. Demarius Thomas made an impact yesterday with
0: uh, the Texans. Uh, So,
1: you know, you gave up fourth and fifth round picks for him, not number one
0: <laughs> so I guess I guess I'm sorry your position is specifically not only the wide receivers position but it's a combination of the wide receiver position and pieces of your Cowboys offense and your quarterback right well yeah
1: in general I think that like if the if if the trade makes sense like for what you're trying Got to it. do then for but the Cowboys did this because they're trying to protect Dak Prescott like they did this because yes. they yes. thought the problem was that they didn't have they're not getting enough separation from their wide receivers they don't Playmakers making, you know, at the wide receiver position, and let's do everything in our power to, like, protect Dak Prescott and convince the world that he's the guy, which he's not. So, I mean, I don't have a problem with making trade for the right pieces. I mean, like, the Eagles traded for Jay Ajayi last year and they won a Super Bowl. Now, I mean, I don't know if that was, he didn't play, like, a monster, monster role in that. Exactly. But, you know, sometimes they are going to work out, and I'm not, like, against making trades. I love trades. I just want them to be, like, always trades. I, I just don't want them to. Yeah, the wide receiver.
0: I want that. Yeah, based on this metric, and again, I'm just looking at some names. I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at Sterling Shepard, Ty Hilton, Josh Gordon, uh, Demarius Thomas. These are all guys that are four or five slots higher than uh, Amari Cooper. And, you know, frankly, I, I wouldn't give anywhere near first round pick front of these guys around him. So um, no, I, I think that I think that magnifies your point. And I mean, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers later. Like I look at Tom Brady, who's had average to below average wide receivers receiver that he, he's turned them into uh, household names. And then I look at him with Randy Moss. And then I look at Aaron Rodgers, who they just, you know, they gave away Jory Nelson, or he left the team, basically. And I'm like, I don't know. If, if you paired Amari Cooper with him, would that make much of a change? Or, um, you know, any of these high-profile name-wide receivers in combination with a guy like Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, now that makes sense. Heck, I'd, I'd leverage two, for two consecutive first-round picks, whatever. For that combination piece, the, um, the hole is greater than the piece right in that combination if, if Brady Moss is an example of what Rodgers could do with a top tier wide receiver I, I would bet on that but you know based on you guys based on Dak I just you know I, I agree with you but so you know jumping off that Amari Cooper trade then back to Dak it kind of sucks for the guy because I don't think you just get bad overnight or two years later when you had such a great rookie season and I remember that rookie season so vividly I was so excited for the Cowboys to be relevant with you know a ridiculous wide receiver I mean a quarterback and running back I thought that's gonna be a nasty combination um so like what is it do you think he just lost confidence that he did his mechanics get worse i mean i, I don't I, I mean i know everyone talks about a sophomore slump but like did and i think a lot of people say you know they pay other coaches too so like are people just now prepared for him where they weren't prepared for him rookie a year or like wh- what is it with him it, like why why is he so bad all of a sudden? i think the league caught up with him i mean okay. i think what okay. it was is that
1: like every team there's going to be like a learning curve and there's always going to be like an adjustment period so basically what we had was the Cowboys had a very specific offense that they ran for Tony Romo and Tony Romo made their offense much better than it probably should have been like he's a guy again kind of like what you mentioned like whether a quarterback makes wide receivers or the wide receivers make a quarterback like Romo made wide receivers into better wide receivers like he turned like average or below average guys into potential like pro bowl wide receivers like and there were a few of them I mean Miles Austin never did anything outside of the Dallas Cowboys he was he was uh, basically an undrafted, uh, and I'm not sure off the top of my head if he was if he actually actually was undrafted. I believe he was undrafted out of uh, Monda. I uh, turned him into a big-time wide receiver. Uh, Laurent Robinson, he was basically and never has been. He turned him into a very relevant wide receiver as a number three wide receiver. The, the problem with Dak is that defenses were preparing for one thing, and you put Dak in there, and every single skill set that he had was completely different than Tony Romo. So, when he went out there, they had a very basic package that they used with him. They had a ton of little dump-off passes. They had a lot of guys kind of crossing right in front of him, uh, like safety blanket type guys, like Cole Beasley, Jason Witten, some of those some of those guys. And defenses didn't know really what Dak's strengths were versus what his weaknesses were. So, you know, he kind of caught them off guard. And with how great the Cowboys' offensive line was and how great their running game was, he was able to be very successful moving, moving the chains and getting first downs and getting the ball in the end zone uh, and then using his legs to make plays as well. So uh, he caught teams off guard. And then once you have a full season of film on a guy and you can kind of see, like, what was being successful and why he was being successful they figured it out really quick going into that next season where they were like okay well if we take Cole Beasley you know if we take Cole Beasley's little five six yard uh, crossing patterns out of the equation and make Dak, you know go to his second reads and look through his progressions and try to go downfield with his other wide receivers all of a sudden he's not the same quarterback he's gonna become indecisive he's gonna miss his throws he's very inaccurate and he's not gonna be able to move this the chain so you're gonna start getting them in second and longs and third and longs and that's ultimately what happened. And from there, Dak has continued to I guess look worse and worse. Teams are just teams have figured it out and they're stacking the box, they're trying to take away the run game, and then they're taking away Dak little uh security blanket throws and he has not been able to compensate for what they've taken away from him. So that's the difference between like Dak and like other quarterbacks that have like the strong arms and, and the ability to kind of get the ball downfield, is that he just has not been able to like overcome the changes and defense defenses have just kind of gone with it and continued to, to play that style of football.
0: So two final things about these Cowboys before we formally change into a Dallas Cowboys podcast. Um, I I know you've relentlessly said if if Romo had a defense like this, and you've touted this Cowboys defense, and throughout his run, he's never had a defense like this. And you know, if Dak could play like anywhere near Romo with this kind of defense, et cetera, et cetera. Did did I summarize that roughly right, Andy?
1: Yeah, I mean for sure. I mean absolutely. Like the Cowboys, this this Cowboys team, and it's I know it's hard to see it right now, and I'm not like your prototypical delusional Cowboys fan who thinks that the Cowboys are like Super Bowl contenders every. Single year, like that's not me. I don't think that. Like, I the Cowboys, in my opinion, did not have a Super Bowl contender team, or really even like playoff caliber teams more than like maybe one or two times with Romo, and they, they weren't Super Bowl teams.
0: Yeah, let me let me pause you right there. So I, I set you up on purpose. I, I have all these stats in front of me. Let me bounce these numbers okay. off you, and then let me let me get your thoughts. Okay, so based again on mm-hmm. uh, this is Football Outsiders on uh, weighted defense, what have you? They have the Dallas Cowboys before going into. Uh, the Tennessee game, they were the 11th ranked defense. Do you agree with Mm -hmm. that? Is that approximately? Uh,
1: I I mean, I I personally think that their defense is better than that. I think that it's it's also a product of,
0: yeah, I think it's a product of how bad their offense has been. I I think that's fair. I think that's fair. They got knocked down to a 16th ranked defense after that Tennessee game. Somewhat Mm -hmm. harsh, but again, you know, again, I don't know giving up 28 points to the Titans where that ranks. Again, it seems like a lot of the scores are inflated this year, so what have you. But again, that, that is what it is. So then, being the geek that I am I looked at Dallas Cowboys defense based off the site ranking year after year look looked through it that run because I was like I could have sworn they there there's this perfect storm one year where the Cowboys had a good offense and defense and so lo and behold two thousand nine Cowboys I don't know do you remember that season like right off the top of your head or probably not? Uh yeah, I mean I remember it uh, generally seventh yeah. seventh ranked defense that year. So do you remember okay, how yeah. they ended their season?
1: Uh two thousand nine was that was that the Seattle season? Was that the, the field goal that was dropped? So the, was that at the ball that Romo dropped. Hey, I don't know if that was that season.
0: No. Uh, um, that might have been the season before, 2008, but I had to look this up. They went 11 5 that year under Wade Phillips. I think mm-hmm. this was the second to last Wade Phillips year. They lost in the divisional round. Do you want to guess who? Mm. Oh, was that the Giants? Brett Favre, Vikings. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay, right. Okay, so, but did you, okay, and then did you look at the score of that game? <laughs> uh, I didn't. Did you no.
0: happen to, okay, oh, so, yeah. Yikes. The, the, yikes. Go, what happened that, the Was the score a of that game? game? 34 to 3. Like, what happened that game?
1: Oh, it was an absolute disaster. I mean, first off, the offensive line completely fell apart. The offensive line did not protect Romo the entire game. I mean, he got murdered in that game, absolutely murdered, and they had no answer for Brett Favre. I mean, they just completely tore the Cowboys' defense apart in that game. So, yeah, so to answer your question, yeah, I mean, that's the difference between a potential Super Bowl team and a team that gets knocked out in the divisional round because in the wild card round, um, Romo tore it up that game uh, that, that season and destroyed the Eagles, and then they went and played uh, the Vikings and everything around Romo completely fell apart. I mean, he got absolutely destroyed by the um, would you, Vikings' defensive line.
0: Would you agree that that year's defense was better than this year's Cowboys' defense? Or No, I don't think it was better. I, I think that oh, there's a okay. major difference, man. I, there's
1: a huge difference between when when you've got a quarterback and an offense that can sustain drives. If, if, for example, if they had Romo this season and he was able to march up and down the field consistently yep. putting together seven- to eight-minute drives, drives and scoring and touchdowns and putting the pressure on the opposing offense to have to match touchdowns, then all of a sudden you've got arrested defense and you've got a defense that can actually go after the quarterback because you know that that opposing team, that opposing offense is in passing situations. So if everything was the same and you just substituted Romo at quarterback for Dak Prescott, I mean, <laughs> they, they may be undefeated right now wow. I, it's like, it's because wow. he's that much better than he's that much better. This defense is very good, man. I'm telling you, like they just, the fact that they're on the field too much. Like, they're on the field way too much, and they're constantly chasing teams that have leads because our offense can't score. And that's 100% on Dak Prescott. That's him not being able to get the ball downfield and not being able to get the ball into the end zone. So that was a good defense that season, that, that 2009 season. That was a solid defense that the Cowboys had. But when, when you look at that game in particular, where they got destroyed in the playoffs by the Vikings, I mean, their defense didn't play well in that game. I mean, they, they played terrible in that game in fact. So, um, you know, that's the difference, though. It, that's the difference between a team potentially, you know, putting it together like on the field during the regular season and then putting it all together in the postseason to, you know, to get to where you need to get to.
0: Let me ask you this. Uh, I and mean, this wasn't my final Cowboys but, topic, but it just came in my head. So, do you think there's a chance that they made the trade with the Raiders to the wrong Raiders player? Now, are you big on Derek Carr?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm not huge on Derek Carr. Carr.
0: I like him. I think he's a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I was going to say, I mean, do you think if they traded a yeah. first-round pick for Derek Carr, would the Cowboys be better? Not oh, by absolutely. Much. There's no question. Absolutely. Oh, there's no question. No
1: question. I mean, no question. It, the offense would be. They, they would be a legit contender. Wow. Okay. And I'm not like I said, I'm not a huge, huge fan of Derek Carr, but I mean, he could. You could put him out there with with this with this offense and with this defense, and he'd be able to win a heck of a lot more games than Dak Prescott.
0: That's for sure. Okay. So then, my my absolute final Cowboys question is, you know, I I, I do kind of feel bad for you guys. I feel bad for the teams that leverage for a win it now situation, mm-hmm. right? And the win it now situation doesn't pan out and now you're stuck with no hope for next year, kind of like where you said you, you've given up on next year's drafts for the most part. Um, who knows? You might get lucky in, in one of the later rounds. But so what I did was I looked at the recent so I, I, I purposely filtered out, you know, your Patriots, your Steelers, some of these teams that have a long history of success, right? Like these, they mm-hmm. must be doing it from an organizational standpoint where it's not like, um, not, not not so much like the 76ers and then they you know do the process and then make your team better through the draft etc but they're just sound in terms of trading and waving people and doing everything at the right time like the Steelers, the patriots i would argue the saints are like a poor man patriots right like so their highs aren't as good like they don't get to the super bowl as much but like their organization they're always in the hunt every year for the most part so yeah excusing those teams so i look at the eagles right and so the eagles with the super bowl they went 13-3 and last year if 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 my assumption is that they had average to below average seasons before that that they got really good draft picks and they drafted well and that made their team what it was last year. I'm looking at the year before seven and nine, seven and nine, ten and six, ten and six, four and twelve. I mean that so 2012 they were four and twelve and then they're thirteen and three in two thousand seventeen. So five year difference, do you think it was just from good drafting or like what led to the two thousand seventeen Eagles championship? Like from their lowest point in two thousand twelve? Well, I think the Eagles completely like
1: changed everything in their system. I mean, okay. they brought in key free agents. Okay. They brought in – they did well in the draft. Obviously, they drafted Wentz. I mean, Wentz, I know he wasn't quarterback to the Super Bowl team, but they drafted well. They made a couple of great free agent moves, um, Alshon Jeffrey. Um, they got him on a really good one-year deal. Um, their defensive line just wreaked havoc on the league, Um, and uh, And they did a lot of
0: things right. And that line was all from
1: traffic? Uh, The defensive line? No, no, not. They weren't all. A a few of them were, though, and their linebackers, I mean, but a couple of their key guys were, I mean, and they've been in the league for a few years, but you start looking at, like, um, you know, I guess just some of their key ingredients. That that coaching staff just did a phenomenal job of kind of, like, pulling it all together. They did a phenomenal job pulling it all together last year, so I think the Eagles are a a little bit different I mean that nobody okay. would
0: have really expected that coming off like a 4-12 and 12 season yeah so Andy so like the Vikings another good success story so they go th- you know why they didn't go to the Super Bowl per se but I would argue that they're not only at 13-3 and 3 last year they're on the road to some sort of small run of success so they're 13-3 and 3 last year I look at their past season records 8-8, and 11-5, 8, 7-9, and 5-10, and 10-6, 3-13 and in 10, 10 and 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 2011 so again kind of in the same time span from 2011 to 2017 they you could argue that they turned it around and so you just attributed the Eagles to in some sort of order their GM drafting well they're them more less hitting the lottery with when so with the Vikings what would you say got them to where they are now well I think the Vikings did uh,
1: some really good things too I mean if you look at like where the strengths of the Vikings were they came off a couple seasons where like they were kind of getting close but their offensive line was like really bad their defense was really good but their offensive line was really bad so I think what they did was they kind of found like a happy medium where their defense hasn't really been like that legit um, top flight defense that it was a few years ago, um, but they were able to make a couple moves there uh, and then kind of strengthen up the offensive line enough where now they were able to put together a solid running game where they can actually run the ball, they can pound the football, uh, they can get the ball in the end zone through the running game, and then obviously they went out and they got two phenomenal wide receivers in Stefan Diggs and Thielen, and a quarterback that obviously Cousins is a huge upgrade over uh, Case Keenum, so I think that they re- they recognized that maybe they were just a quarterback away from potentially making that Super Bowl run last year because Case Keenum, as solid of a job as he did, uh, Cousins has the potential to be a much more explosive quarterback. So they went out and and then the secondary, the secondary is huge for the Vikings. I mean they they've got a couple guys in their secondary that are big time playmakers. So I think sure. that they just kind of found like that happy medium where you, you know you you may not need like the number one defense in the league. Um, it's the expense of you know having an offensive line that can't do anything. Then maybe maybe they have a top ten, top fifteen defense, and then strengthen up their offensive line and their skill positions and quarterback just enough to you know I guess overcome any shortness on their defense. And I think that's kind of what the Vikings did.
0: Okay, I, I have two more quick examples. So I look at the Atlanta Falcons. They're four and twelve in two thousand seven. They draft Matt Ryan. They you know they go 11, five, nine, seven, 13, three, 10, 6 They peak at thirteen and three where they. 13-3 um, where they lose the 49ers in 2013. All of a sudden, the following year, they go 4-12 and 12 in 2013. Then they go 6-10, and 8-8. Eight and eight. And then 11-5 and five where they lose the Patriots in the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, like, again, it seems like a lot of the same formula. You you kind of get lucky at the lottery with the franchise quarterback. But aside from that, just a lot of good moves. Like, what happened with the Falcons?
1: Yeah, so the Falcons were kind of similar. I mean, they... Um, th- that's the thing that's so tough in the NFL, man. It's like, with the salary cap... Well, like you've got a very small window to be able to kind of like put it all together and be effective unless you've got Bill Belichick who's like the master of finding free agents at like discount prices you've got a very small window so the Falcons for example they had these great offensive skill guys right they had a quarterback that can obviously get the ball downfield I don't love Matt Ryan but he's definitely a, a good quarterback and he's a, he's a good enough quarterback he can win you Super Bowl if you have got the right piece around him then you've got Julio Jones who's arguably the best if not top two, top three wide receivers in the NFL. Okay, so you've got a guy who is as great of a route runner as you'll find along with the, the athleticism of, you know, a freak of nature and he could pretty much be double coverage consistently and they also got a good enough offensive line that they've got an extremely explosive running game so the combination of Tevin Coleman and uh, Devontae Freeman they've got two guys that can move the ball uh, get first down control the clock and really just kind of control the game plan offensively. I think what you saw what their, what the Falcons problem was in those, those earlier years was that they didn't have a defense that could match what their offense is capable of and Devontae Offensively, I always think that defense is still going to be more important than offense. I still think that I would rather have a top ten defense and a top fifteen offense than vice versa. I think that you're in better shape if you've got that defense that can get the stops versus the offense. Um, but then the year that they went to the Super Bowl was kind of like the perfect storm for the Falcons. They went out and they did a really nice job in the draft. They got some good young guys on defense that had really had to uh, you hadn't had to pay big money for at the time, and they kind of went into it overachieving. They were quick. They're very fast defense. They were flying around. They were able to get to the ball. Uh, they were able to get to the quarterback, and then their secondary was good enough that it can kind of you know slow people down. Um, but obviously, when you look at the, <laughs> what happened in the Super Bowl versus the Patriots, uh, that that's all on them. I mean, that was their fault for completely just destroying uh, what they could have possibly done by running the ball and just taking the air out of the ball. Really, like you know working the clock in the second half. I mean, their in their defense got exposed, but they were in that same similar type position, only probably the other way around where they. They needed their defense to come around, and I think they've had to sacrifice some offensive firepower to kind of get their defense there. Um, but that's why it's so tough. I mean, usually you usually got one, but you may not
0: have the other. Sure. Um, sure. My last example, and again, I, I, I kid you not, this is by far the funniest thing, P. Is it legit seems like these franchises go from... So the, my last example is the Carolina Panthers, 2010, 2-14. Two mm-hmm. You know, 6-10, 7-9, 12-4, 7-8. Then they get to 15-1 and one in 2015, losing the Super Bowl. I mean, these teams are doing it in this kind of five to six year window where they're, I mean, this example is two and 14. The other examples were like four and 12, et cetera, et cetera. But like, so I'm not, I'm not saying every team that has a crap record can turn around five or six years. Look at the Lions, look at the Browns. But I'm saying teams with good management, good GMs have the ability to turn around with a good draft pick in as short as five or six years. So like what happened with the Panthers?
1: Yeah. I mean, so with the Panthers, I mean, I think that they were a little bit similar to like what, um, like Cam Newton has a very specific style of play. And for Cam Newton to win, uh, I think that he's got to have the right, uh, the right guys around him. Um, and he didn't really have, like, a ton of really good skill guys uh, prior. And he's like a guy that tries to kind of almost do it all with his legs, where he's such a big guy that he can run, he's fast, he's oddly elusive. Um, he's got a rocket arm, but he's not very accurate. Um, and I think that what happened with them was that when they were in the Super Bowl, they had a, they had a phenomenal defense to go along with the ball control offense that you know Cam Newton could tuck it in and get a first down. And really that's the difference. You, may, you don't need to maybe put up 30, 40 points a game, but if you've got an offense that can, like I kind of said before, where you can take the air out of the ball, where you can just get first downs. If you've got that great defense and you keep them fresh on the sidelines and you can just get first downs and pound the ball and then get a field goal, get a touchdown – you can win a game 17 to 10 if your offense going down the field and burning six seven eight minutes off the clock at a time and I think that's kind of like similar to what the what the uh, Panthers were able to do that season they had such a good defense that as long as they were able to control the ball on offense they were able to you know win games and once they got into a game where they kind of met their match offensively and defensively uh if you looked at Super Bowl I mean obviously the Broncos defense was was off the chart and then the Broncos offense did just enough so so, um, you know, they, they ran into a team that was kind of like their match or their their similar or equal, um, and they just came up on the wrong side of it. But you need to win when you've got that window. That's why this whole Cowboys thing drives me nuts right now because they've got that window where their young draft pick that are supposed to be their big players of the future were on their rookie contract. And if, if any team can get to that spot while their young best players are on their rookie contract, that's, that's where your window is because the next couple of years when you've got to pay those guys, guys now all of a sudden you're either going to lose them or you're going to have to lose somebody else and that's where it it becomes so key to hit on these big time draft picks you've got to you've got to hit on the on the top draft picks and and let those guys become big time players because the second you've got to pay them it changes the entire dynamics of your of your entire football team
0: so yeah i kind of feel bad pouring like salt on the wounds but like i'm looking at the cowboys and i'm looking at that four and twelve record in 2015 and i mean again if you Look at any of the those other examples: five, six-year run from a good draft pick from that poor record. Those teams had had the ability. You could argue luck and whatever, but to get to the divisional playoffs, conference, you know, conference championships, even Super Bowl. Um, but if you look at from that four and twelve record on, it's it's like at least for the Eagles, when the Panthers, Cam, um, the Falcons, Matt Ryan, it's it's like it takes a quarterback to to kind of make that uh, progression. Or with the Vikings example, get. That quarterback through you know free, uh, free agency or what have you, so it seems like you know if, if Dak was Mahomes or if Dak was Wentz, right, like of that level, you would have that progression and say, oh, the future's bright. But you know, I kind of agree with you that they, they either got to cut ties or they got to find their quarterback in the future if they want to if they want to be on that progression that five or six year window. Oh, you know, from all those years of eight and A, you know, it, it's hard for a team through the draft because you're getting mediocre draft picks to kind of make your way there. Um, I, so I guess I guess what I'm trying to say is like, as a GM, what would you do? How would you fix this? Because it seems like, it, do you necessarily need to suck to get a transcendent player to really go over the hump? And if you if that is yes. the case, then you kind of missed the window like four, four years ago because you guys are like about average now and, but not good enough to win the whole thing yet.
1: Right. So I guess you've got to look at it a little bit differently with the Cowboys though because you okay. got to remember that this Cowboys team was not your typical 4-12 and 12 team. Uh, the Cowboys, that Cowboys team that got the number four pick in the draft and were able to get Zeke, uh, they were a 12-4 and big-time playoff team. And the only reason they were 4-12 and 12 that, that following season was because Romo got hurt at the beginning of the season, and they completely fell apart without Romo. So they already had a playoff team that just happened to fall apart that one season because of Romo's injury. So that that was it, kind of like what I'm alluding to in terms of, like, the perfect storm where they had, like, a legit playoff team, like, on paper, and they just got, you know, big-time draft picks to throw on top of that because they happened to lose their court. Quarterback and they fall apart. So they went from that four and twelve. They went from that twelve and four playoff team, and that was the team that lost to Green Bay because of the death catch. Okay, so the Cowboys were essentially one play away from going to the NFC Championship that season. Um, and then Romo got hurt right at the beginning of that following season. They go four and twelve because they couldn't find a quarterback to replace Romo. Get Zeke, get Dak, get you know some of these other guys, and then they go uh, thirteen and three that first rookie season with Dak. So they've kind of been on the up and up. And you know, Dak just happened to be that one, I guess, mistake where it looks great that first year. But the Cowboys had been kind of like slowly putting these pieces together for years. And to answer your other question, uh, the Cowboy teams with Romo, the, all those teams that finished eight and eight, they were probably more in the area of like five and eleven teams. They were probably five and eleven or four and twelve caliber teams. And I'm telling you, Romo literally disguised that, like he masked that so well that he just made them more. Competitive, then was probably good for them. You know what I'm saying? Like he probably won them a good three games those seasons that a lot of quarterbacks probably wouldn't have won. And because of that, they got kind of like that middle of the pack draft pick. And you could hit on it, but you got a lot better chance of kind of getting that like that that dynasty player in the top five or top ten than in the top one. So, so you, sorry that, to off. yeah,
0: do you think the same thing happened with Rogers that he was playing above the talent around him, and then he more or less just got lucky, or the GM drafted really well? For that one Super Bowl run? Is that a fair comparison? Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, okay. Rodgers, uh, Rodgers has played, like, they've done a bad job of putting, of putting players around Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I just had this conversation with a few friends the other day because, you know, obviously I've got a lot of friends who are Patriots fans and they want to have those comparisons. But the difference with Aaron Rodgers, I mean, the Packers have not put good teams on the field. They've they've basically been able to escape because Aaron Rodgers is so phenomenal. I mean, if you look at, like, what they've been, uh, at their defense, has been very poor um, their secondary most uh, most um, specifically has been really bad and then even like their offensive line if you look at like they've had virtually no running game in a while their offensive line isn't very good but Aaron Rodgers has a way of like masking that because he's so mobile He so he moves around so well in the pocket outside the pocket that he, he finds a way to like kind of make you think that maybe they're a little bit better than they are and then if you look at the wide receivers for example to me I don't think Aaron Rodgers has really had like great great wide receivers he's had guys that he's turned into big-time playmakers. I mean, you know, these guys on other teams aren't near what they were or what they have been with Aaron Rodgers and you could see that. I mean, like, I knew Jordy Nelson's a big-time playmaker with the Packers, but that's because Aaron Rodgers was getting him the ball in these winning situations. And now you're kind of seeing, I guess, more of, like, maybe what a realistic version of Jordy Nelson is. Um, and same goes for, like, Devontae Adams, for example. I mean, Devontae Adams has been, like, he looks like a world-beater in the Packers' offense, but if you put him on another team with, like, a lot lesser quarterback, he wouldn't be in the same player that he is with with the pack um so i think that very much so aaron Rodgers is kind of like hidden the stink of of a team that's not nearly as good as he's made them look and um and then hi and, and kind of just following up real quick i know that this is, is off there but just to follow up I, I actually looked up the stats for those games that you were talking about so the vikings versus the cowboys in that, yeah. that season when you said the cowboys defense so uh brett Favre threw for four touchdowns no interceptions in that game <laughs> and uh romo was sacked six times so that's yeah so that's the difference I mean but like you know kind of we were talking about if you've got that defense yeah they may have looked good in the regular season but I mean when it came down to the playoffs they got absolutely destroyed um so
0: yeah I, I think yeah so go ahead let me, let me ask you because I, I'm trying to fix your team I, again I, I just I, I kind of feel bad for the Cowboys but like I, I think the only example I can think of is would it would it make sense to follow suit of the Vikings is that the best example where I, I would never say Bridgewater or Bradford were like I don't know not even the top third hopefully the top half of the quarterbacks those years but their team improves all around the quarterback then they have this one chance at free agency where unlike the Eagles unlike the Falcons unlike the Panthers where they get that franchise quarterback they get their if they believe Kirk has the franchise quarterback again I don't I don't know he might barely make the top third for me maybe barely but um, if they believe it and they believe that puts them over the hump they've done as best as they can from the draft and then kind of go over the hump with a free agent move. Mm. Again, do you think that's the best solution for the Cowboys at this point where you can't exactly reset it? In, in your belief, the defense is that good that a above-average quarterback to a top-third quarterback could really make you guys competitors? Like, Is that your best hope? Basically, the Minnesota Vikings game plan, their strategy?
1: Uh, I believe. I don't believe the Cowboys need a franchise quarterback to have a chance to win with this team. I wow, think that okay. if you put a game manager, I think if you put like a decent, a, a solid game manager quarterback quarterback on the field with this Cowboys team, with this offensive line, with this running game, and then with this defense, the Cowboys could make a serious run. Like I completely one hundred percent believe that, one hundred percent. So if you met a guy like like an Alex Smith or you know, I, I mean I hate to say it man, but even even like maybe like a Brian Hoyer. Like somebody who like wow. you don't look at him as like a because I because what he can do is he he can make the smart plays. He can make like he can make the correct rate and he can make he can probably get the most out of is he going to throw for 400 yards no but he doesn't have to throw 400 yards what he needs to do is complete 17 of 21 passes for 250 yards two touchdowns and be able to get first downs on third down so that's what Dak doesn't do is he he's not feared enough to like stretch the field and like just push defenses back enough so it's much yeah do I think Brian is a great quarterback no but I think that the guy is like a veteran or even like you know like a like a like a Fitzpatrick like a Fitzpatrick on this Cowboys
0: offense I was just like, looking at that he name. would stretch was like, the field
1: enough that yeah he would stretch the field enough and be able to kind of like get some demand some respect from defenses that you all of a sudden become a much stronger team you know if you can get him minus the turnovers but I, I just whatever Dak is is not it's not enough and it's not going to be enough so, so obviously they're in the perfect shot right now and they're not going to
0: get there with. Any in terms quarterback. of quarterbacks thing that could really launch it obviously Mahomes was just you know you had it would wreck the league but um, I don't know I'm looking at I'm looking at this kind of ranking of quarterbacks and uh, you know if, if the Chargers you know I mean Philip Rivers loves San Diego I mean he has that ridiculous commute to LA every every game week but I mean that guy could really toss it and if the Chargers can't you know get over the hump this year with so much AFC competition I wonder if they just cut bait and reset from zero probably not but I, again I'm just looking at some of these quarterbacks um, Rivers I mean Roethlisberger can obviously launch it like you said Fitzpatrick um, I don't think Dalton really has an arm him. I know Trubisky can can really fling it, but obviously the Bears won't accept a few with him. Andrew Luck, I wonder if the Colts just say we're never going to get back to the upper tier ever since that uh, really early in Luck's career where he made the AFC Championships. It just seems like a kind of uh, like no progression basically, where they're never going to you know get you know get up to the Pats or the Steelers at this level. Like maybe just cut with Andrew Luck, but I don't know. I'm surprised that you feel that confident that just a game manager could really make you. Guys, competitive. That's that. That's extremely frustrating for you. I guess you know it, it would seem like it, no. Like you're absolutely, not, you're, not absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you're not
1: asking for much. You're not No, I'm not because I don't think the Cowboys need that much out of the quarterback position to win. What they need is a guy that's not going to turn the ball over like Dak does, and a guy that can can. It's more like the perception of what the, the quarterback can possibly do. He doesn't even have to really complete many of those shots downfield. He's got to be respected enough by the defense to like pull them back enough so that Zeke has a little bit more room to. Because everything is going to be based off of that running game. If Zeke can run, then all of a sudden, you know, that's how you control the clock. And all it takes is for a quarterback that can convert those third down um, conversions. And they just don't have that right now. They don't have that from Dak from Prescott.
0: Well, on the total other end of the spectrum in terms of quarterbacks, um, I got to watch a super great game with my team, uh, Patriots-Packers. I kind of felt bad for Aaron Rodgers. Um, I, I didn't think he was well equipped like no I totally agree with your point the pieces around him just aren't there Um, although I will say people keep on saying Brady has all these great uh, passing weapons and you know I would say Gronk was a great weapon Um, Moss obviously was too but I mean he he had a stretch where he was throwing to like no names and making them kind of like what Rogers does to a no name wide receiver so like yeah I think Brady makes people um, better I mean I don't think I've seen a lot of the sports talk shows and I actually agree with the analogy it's kind of like Jordan LeBron where like Brady, Brady's Jordan and Aaron Rodgers, LeBron, right? Like what what Aaron Rodgers does is like this freak of nature, you know. I, I with with the exception of Mahomes, like I, I can't think of any other quarterbacks doing what he's doing, kind of running around, flinging it, no effort, like across your body, making these ridiculous passes. At the same time, Brady kind of is like he's making these right decisions. He's very um, calculated, throwing in the field when it's not there. Um, he mitigates the risk reward, making the right decisions. He doesn't now. I don't know if he's making those right decisions he doesn't have the physical abilities of Aaron Rodgers or he's just more conservative and is a game manager uh, game manager is probably not right to talk about the goat but like he doesn't lose you the game and he's always there to possibly win you the game so like and then there's that ferocious competitor i mean the difference with the jordan lebron thing which me being a lebron hater i always knew jordan was a ferocious competitor and like like westbrook lebron i always thought he's just like a softie and like he never had that killer instinct like kobe had kobe had more of the killer instinct than lebron um with the these two guys, I definitely see them both guys. I mean, when, when Montgomery made that turnover, you saw you Aaron saw Rodgers and he was pissed. And obviously with Psycho Tom, so he has that competitive edge. So, um, I, I'm probably not a good person to ask about this because you know who I'm going to pick. But, uh, in terms of the game and then those two guys, I, I think it played out as it should have, right? Like, I obviously think the Patriots are a better team, but Rodgers, at this point, being po- probably a better quarterback, he single-handedly almost won that game. Um, but greatest of all time, count the titles, what they do, Although, again, I know you're going to go to the team and Bill Belichick best coach of all time, so that always plays into the fact, but um, I'd love to get your thoughts in terms of the brady Rogers, best QB all time debate.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at it, like, I guess in a little bit of a different way because I think, like, in football, like, if we're talking about tennis or if we're talking about golf or a sport that's, like, so individual-oriented, then it's easy to compare. But in a sport like football where it's the ultimate team sport and you're only going to be as good as all those guys, you know, 60, say 60 guys, 55 guys on the team, right? And you've got an offense, defense, it's the it's the one sport too where as a quarterback you're only on the field like 50% of the time, or even a little bit less than 50% of the time if you if you count special teams. So you know, there a lot of other things have to factor in to whether you're successful. That's why I hate the argument about like winning Super Bowls. I despise the argument about like, oh this guy won this many Super Super Bowl so he's the greatest of all time okay no like it's not how that's not how it works in football like too many things have to go right in football for you to win Super Bowl and if you're a great quarterback you could just very well be stuck on a crap team for your entire career and you may never win a Super Bowl because you you had the worst defense in the league for years or your kicker missed a key field goal in the playoffs and and, you know because of that you didn't advance so like and I say this without wanting without wanting to take anything away from Tom Brady because I truly believe that Tom Brady is definitely in the conversation. I think he's, I think he's definitely in the conversation of <clears throat> top five. You know, I think that you, when you look at it, you have. there's just so many things that you have to take into account. And, like, for example, like, Aaron Rodgers will probably never reach, like, the total numbers that Tom Brady and Peyton Manning and Drew Brees have because those guys started playing a lot earlier. So, but what you do have with Aaron Rodgers is, I believe, he's the most talented quarterback. I, so I think he's definitely the most talented. Talented quarterback. I think if you took Aaron Rodgers and you put him on the the Patriot teams from day one in his NFL career, I have a hard time believing that he wouldn't have at least five Super Bowls. Like, at least. And the reason I say this is because if you look at the Super Bowls that Brady lost, for example, he basically lost those Super Bowls because the opposing defense was able to get to him. It was, the you know, the Giants were able to get to him. Um, you know, the other opposing team, they, they were able to get to him just enough that, you know, it disrupted him and and he wasn't able to like really get. That's one thing that Aaron Rodgers actually like excels at is escaping pressure and making big plays like on the move. So, you know, if all things were equal, man, if you put Aaron Rodgers on Bill Belichick's team for all his years in the NFL and you took Tom Brady and you put him on these mediocre Green Bay teams, I I have a hard time believing that, you know, that things would would be the same. I think Aaron Rodgers would potentially at least have all the Super Bowls that Brady has, if not more, because of his mobility. And I think Brady would have struggled a lot more on these Green Bay teams because, you know, they haven't been very good teams. They've, you know, he's, he escapes a ton of pressure. So whether you want to call him the GOAT or not, like, I, I joke around with that. I, I, I think that I have a tough time really calling anybody the GOAT because I think there are just too many factors. But just pure talent-wise, I think Aaron Rodgers is, without a doubt, hands down the most talented quarterback I've ever seen. Okay
0: okay so i'm trying to think back to that super bowl that aaron Rodgers won how talented the team around him was since i think we both agree or i don't give mccarthy much credit so it's i'm trying to put into perspective it's like if lebron were able to beat the kd warriors it would be it would it would equal like three or four other championships like that's how impressive that would be to me um like the championship that he won against that uh warrior setting um team uh he he definitely wasn't scotty pippen that'd be too much disservice, but Kyrie played as good as him, if not slightly worse. So I I can't give LeBron all the credit for that win, plus that whole Draymond stuff. Uh, Again, basketball is different than football. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like uh, Rodgers win that year. I I remember a pretty good team around him. I think like Jennings was his top wide receiver there. I I don't remember, but it's, it's hard for me to look at. So do I think, do I think, I'm trying to think what Brady's biggest accomplishment was, right? To stack them up kind of thing, right? And so obviously in recent memory, that whole Atlanta the Falcons come back, right? Do I think Rogers has the physical ability and the talent to do what Brady does? No, no question, right? He could have made those passes. He could have done now. I don't watch Rodgers enough in terms of like the intestinal fortitude, that desire to win, that keeping that leadership and all those other attributes that aren't... You know, again, I keep on saying LeBron James, he's the most... Um, you know, everyone has those lists of people that... Um, uh, I'm trying to think of the word where uh, they didn't meet their potential, right? I think of people like Rashid Wallace, uh, Vince Carter, um, some of these other guys. LeBron James is by far the biggest person there. And you're like, what? He's like the second best player in the world or... Some people argue that greatest first he should easily be, He should. He has every physical talent over Michael Jordan. He could jump higher. He's stronger. He's bigger. He's st- like every single thing. But he can't shoot a free throw to save his life, right? Like it's ridiculous. Like how hard is it to spend time at the free throw line and just shoot some shots? So I guess what I'm saying is, Aaron Rodgers has every physical thing over Brady. I think he probably throw the ball further, maybe more accurate. Um, you know, he can he can run around. I just don't know all those intangibles. If and in, in I there's no there's no metric to compare them, right? I unless you know, you see all those comebacks Rodgers has, and they're not the biggest stage. They're pretty big stages, like Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, playoff games. But, I mean, for Brady to do it under stages, like under the bright light, and I, I agree with you. Like, those times where Brady lost the Super Bowls, sure, Rodgers would, you know, he would be able to um, neutralize those rushes. And I, I totally agree with you there. But then some of those, I mean, I can't think of I can't think of any, not quarterback, any person that could have done what Tom Brady did against the Falcons. Like, I, I replayed that in my head nonstop as a Patriots fan and I'm just like that was so ridiculous to watch that I don't care how good you are physically to have that cool you know where they really thought they were going to win the whole time like I don't know how many people would have done that but uh, again maybe I'm fanboying over time pretty but it's, it's easy to just look at all the physical stuff and again I think that's, that's the easiest comparison because like Rodgers is without a doubt the most talented quarterback I've ever seen like um, but I mean that you know and again I hate to keep on going with basketball analogies you look at some, like, like a guy like Westbrook right where that guy's a physical freak like uh, he's Is Allen Iverson times 1,000 that guy just jumps out of the court he's built like a tank but like the fact that Allen Iverson won a playoff game off of that at that point undefeated Kobe and Shaq playoff team with with all those scrubs around him on the 76ers I mean that alone I wouldn't quit that championship course but that is sadly an impressive thing on his resume that he was able to do that so like I guess I will still have Brady as the best I, I, I totally agree with your point about counting championships because again with the amount of times I've jumped to basketball analogies you know Bill Russell you look at all his championships, but now you know the league was smaller and yeah. it's not fair to equate. So, well, but I, in basketball too, you have the ability to affect both sides of the uh, agreed, sides of ball, and,
1: and you only need five guys. You know what I'm saying? Like, sure. it's it's a major difference. Like, it, if you look at like the big difference is like when Aaron Rodgers is on teams where his defense just physically does not get stopped. There's almost nothing that you can do as a quarterback to overcome that. Like, and that's why it's hard to like take away anything from. And and I don't want to take away from Brady. I mean that's why I'm not trying to take away. But at the same time, you know, for example, look at the, the Patriots are 13 and six without Tom Brady. In games that they've where Tom Brady has been out injured, the Patriots are 13 and six in the Brady era. And I, can you name one other NFL team that is that successful when their starting quarterback is out? Like just as an example, like I, I mentioned earlier, 2014 Cowboys 12 and four with Romo. They went one. And eleven without him the following season. One and eleven. The Packers last year. I mean, these the, the wheels fell completely off when Rodgers got hurt. But then you look over at the Patriots and they're still thirteen and six in games where Tom Brady doesn't play. Like for me, that says a lot. That shows like the type of stability the organization and the team has that they're still able to like win and win at a very high rate. I mean that's that's borderline a number one or a number two seed and a Super Bowl. If you if you look at Like 13 wins and six losses, or you know a number one or a number two seed and maybe losing in the Super Bowl, you know, like so. If you look at that, just pure numbers wise, what could you possibly attribute to the Patriots still being so successful when Brady's not on the field, and all these other teams like having the wheels completely fall off when they lose their guy, like like Rodgers, for example. I mean, they could barely win a game last season without him, Um, and that's why I say if you threw in Rodgers on those Patriots teams I mean I can almost not even envision him losing a game with with those Belichick teams and you know Brady's done it so he's been fortunate in my opinion Brady and like again I don't want to take away from him because he's still you still got to go out and do it and what you mentioned about still having to do it versus the Falcons absolutely still got to do it but if you looked at it man I have a hard time putting Aaron Rodgers on that Patriots team and saying that he wouldn't have won all those Super Bowls and so I guess that's where I get jammed up but like how can you explain 13 and Six without him on the field, without
0: Brady on the field. Yeah, no, that's that's a great point, and I, I think people half jokingly, half serious, was like, we should give Peyton Manning the MVP that year that he was out, where like uh, what's his face Painter was in, and like they were so mm-hmm. dreadful, like that showed the impact of Peyton Manning. Um, yeah, it again, it's tough. He's, Brady will never exist without Belichick, and vice versa. Although, no, I take that back. Belichick has had more of a runway without Brady, but then again, when you look back to his Cleveland Brown days. Or you'd argue that he's too early in his career. It's you know it's it's difficult. Um, so so basically you have Rodgers as the greatest quarterback of all time. Well, no, I, I'm not, that's oh. the thing.
1: I won't say I, I wouldn't say that. I think he's the most I I think he's the most talented quarterback of all time. But I don't think he'll ever achieve Brady's numbers. That's one thing you can never take away from Brady. And I, that's why I don't want my Patriots fr- fan friends to get pissed at me because like you can't take away from Brady. You know what I'm saying? Like he did it. He accomplished it. And no matter what. Wait
0: a second, work. wait a second. Let me backtrack. <laughs> I, I forget who says it. I think it's Max Kellerman. He distinguishes greatest versus best, and I forgot how he uses them. But I think his example is like Jesse Owens, right, where he breaks the he breaks the sprint track and field record or what have you. But if you look, if you fast forward today, everyone has broken that record, like your average runner, I think. I don't know. Have you heard that example before? Or? No, I haven't heard that so, one. So it's basically like all the records are inflated now, right? Like if you look at anyone mm-hmm. who's good for their era... Or, like three-point shooting, right? No matter how good your Ray Allen or whoever was, you're you're mm-hmm. below average three-point shooter nowadays, just because the game has changed so much. If you look at records, is gonna dwarf anyone in the '90s or '80s, what have you, right? So exactly, oh, for sure. I, I guess what I'm saying is like I've never. I'm not saying don't look at the record, but when I I guess I guess I evaluate in person what they do uh, relative to their uh, contemporaries, right? Like so, yep. if we fast forward 20 years in the future, all these records are gonna get broken, right? The game will change and even more offense, et cetera, et cetera. But I guess if we eliminate records and you're just looking at talent on the field relative to the contemporaries, are you saying Aaron Rodgers is better than everyone else right now than Joe Montana was better than everyone else at his time?
1: Yeah. And you made a great point because that's the, so that's, that's the argument that I have because you're 100% right that you have to look at quarterback specifically quarterbacks with the era that they played in and, and then you can rank them accordingly. And for me, like that's why, I, I love to look at like the, the career QB ratings, for example, like with quarterbacks, because you can see like a clear, you can see a clear difference between like this era versus like the earlier eras, for example. So, and I love to use QB rating because it's like, it's, it's efficiency. You know what I'm saying? And if you look at like the quarterbacks that are at the top of that list, there, I mean, there's no question as to where these guys stand. Like, so for example, like, and I think that the QB ratings now I think that the I think that they will pretty much be similar now to what they will be in the future because I I don't see them continuing to change the passing game that much more than they've already done I don't think you can make that many more changes to the passing game whereas if you're comparing to like the 90s or the 80s for example like you were allowed to play defense back then you know what I'm saying so I think that you're going to get a more realistic visual of like today's QB ratings than you'll get from like if you look back 20 to 30 years and that's why I like to that a lot so for example like all-time QB ratings leaders Aaron Rodgers is number one okay so he's 103.5 uh and then if you go down the list and this is this is something I like I love to use in my in my arguments about quarterbacks because like there's no comparison like if you look at the guys that are at the top Aaron Rodgers Russell Wilson Tom Brady Drew Brees Peyton Manning Steve Young Tony Romo is actually number five on that list so like I said when I when he gets knocked I love to like throw this out there because I'm like dude the guy if you statistically look at what he accomplished I mean I know that people Love to hate him, but he's fifth in all time QB rating, right behind Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, and Jerome Brees. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that number just doesn't come out of nowhere. And then if you look at like the guys even following up from there, so Steve Young, Peyton Manning, Phillip Rivers, uh, Kirk Cousins, Matt Ryan, and so on. So the the thing that I'm saying is when you look at that relative to quarterbacks from like say the early '90s, like like Troy Aikman, for example. So Troy Aikman won three Super Bowls, right? He had a career. He had a career. QB rating of 81.6. So that was actually pretty decent back then, you know what I mean? Like back in the in the 90s or even like the early 90s or or all of the 90s. That was like decent back then. It wasn't great, it wasn't bad, you know? But then if you look at like Eli Manning for example, now Eli Manning, you have to compare with the guys from this era, you know what I'm saying? You got to compare him with the guys that are playing under the same rules. So you compare him to like the Tom Brady, Tony Romo, Philip Rivers, uh Matt Ryan, Aaron Rodgers, Ubris, all those guys, okay? Eli Manning's career QB rating, it means it is 83.8, right behind Joe Flacco and Jay Cutler. So when you look at that, like, I mean, I don't, what does that tell you? Like, it's just, a, you know what I mean? Like you, for example, like a guy who's a, you're a Patriots fan, you don't particularly, you know, I'm sure you probably don't hate the Giants, you probably don't really care about them, but when you see like the guys that I listed at the very top, and then you see
0: Eli Manning at 83.8, like what does that say to you? Like what does that tell you? So I mean, for me, like the eye test alone, right, just seeing when he plays, it's just I mean the plays that killed us were basically Hail Mary type Joe Flacco, let me close my eyes, let me just toss the ball there. Right. Exactly. I, I guess for me, like again, being so spoiled, I see in I again I would take to buy a to with Bell check in the system, but I see trick plays, I see very I see frustration when he throws it to a route where he expects a wide receiver and the guy's not there or the timing's off mm-hmm. and he looks pissed because you hear all these the reason why I love Kobe is not what he does on the court but you hear all these stories where the guy's dripping in sweat two hours before the practice starts and the the trainer comes early and Kobe says he never left it all the like whether they're anecdotes or they're myths at this point you hear all the hard work that Brady puts in given his age mm-hmm. given he was never that good and that's again that's why I like Steph Curry because you can't just be born shooting like that you know you have to put the work in thus LeBron who can't shoot a free throw but you're built like a tank like that's where I get frustrated so I, I don't mean to knock the guys that have physical gifts again it's Suck because the reason why you might discredit Brady ever so slightly because he's a bell check is the almost same reason, the opposite reason why I discredit Rodgers a little bit. Because, so here's where I'm going. Like, part of me, I look at, and again, they're not exactly the same, but I look at your Cam Newton, which you could argue is the next iteration of Aaron Rodgers. That, that's probably a stretch, but, and then I look at, at Mahomes, who's probably the next iteration of Cam Newton. Well, they're kind of loose classification, but I'm talking about guys with rocket arms that can make every single pass that maybe Tom Brady could never dream of making that they could just fling it from their arm. They could run like a, a running back almost and they can, you know, any pass rush doesn't scare them. They're that good physically. But, you know, you look at Cam Newton, who had good enough offensive weapons. I think their defense was pretty good that year. They went 15-1. and one, and oh, they were phenomenal. They were top defense. Good enough to win the Super Bowl, but couldn't do it. And, right. again, I'm not knocking the guy. I think the guy's a freak, but it, it, it's something when you say you're good enough on offense, you're good enough on defense, and you don't win it, and that's where I have to start counting kind of championships. Like where your team's good enough and you're good enough to win it. And so, like I look at that nasty Seattle Seahawks team. Granted, you know they kind of screwed themselves. You know it was their fault that they didn't win it, not necessarily the Patriots. Winning. But you know, page, uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots kept it close enough that they were close enough to have that mistake let them win. So I guess what I'm saying is like when I look at talent, I have to look at what's around them and I have to look at the result. Like um, you you talk about QB rating, but you also you mentioned before where it's like it's a byproduct of the team that's around them and the weapons they have like Eli's never had amazing weapons offensively that I could think of at least on the wide receiver level up until recently granted I don't think he could do much with them in in my opinion Um, but put it this way like Ben Roethlisberger if if you can't if you can't play um, if you can't play back or load up the box because you have Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Smith I would think your offensive numbers should be like absolutely ridiculous so you could argue that he's almost his numbers are somewhat disappointing, given he has so much offensive weapon, right? Um, whereas Joe Flacco, I never thought he was a great quarterback, but then again, I can't remember any noticeable weapons around him. Does that make sense? So it, it, Yeah, but like don't you think that also? Go yeah. so on, go on, go on. Well, so what I was going to say is, though, I mean, you know,
1: so Ben Roethlisberger, for example, so I would put him on a much higher level than Eli Manning, for example, and then, you know, he's got a career QB rating of 94. But also, you know, it's, it, Le'Veon Bell is great, okay? Le'Veon Bell is great but is it the offense that made him great or is it Le'Veon Bell because we're seeing James Conner do pretty much everything Le'Veon Bell did and this is why they didn't sign Le'Veon Bell to this monster contract and I think a lot of the fact I think a lot of the success that the Steelers have had in their running game is a bit of a product of you know Ben Roethlisberger's ability to get the ball downfield and also the offensive game plan that they run because you know if James Conner wasn't doing it then you could all you could say that okay Le'Veon Bell was this and leaving on belt with that. But the fact is you know, Roethlisberger has still been very successful passing the football throughout his career and he's done it with other wide receivers. He's done it with a bunch of wide receivers that when they left Pittsburgh, they pretty much did nothing. If you look at a lot of those guys like Santonio Holmes, um, you know, a lot of the guys that he had, for example, they went to other places and weren't the, weren't much of anything. Um, so, I, I again, I think the quarterback makes the wide receiver way more than anything else and you know for example I mean Eli he, his wide receivers have been fine he's had guys that can make plays I mean he's had he had flexible Burrs the year when he won the Super Bowl he had he had other guys uh, Victor Cruz was a very good wide receiver like when he was uh, you know running out of the slot and, and doing a lot of things he's very good possession wide receiver he has plenty of guys and then Odell Beckham Jr. I mean it, I mean obviously we know what he is but uh, again I still think it falls on the quarterback whether those receivers turn into big time wide receivers or not and the reason I was going into the point about the QB ratings is because I think that you can make that clear comparison between specific numbers of what these quarterbacks put up with the QB rating. And I think that you can do that without looking at what the defense does. For example, I think that's one number that you may not really have to worry too much other than like, okay, are they playing from behind? They've got a pass. But all those quarterbacks that I listed, for example, like Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, uh, Joe Montana, for example, all of those guys fall into very very similar qb rating type numbers and then like you said you got to start looking at the other things like the super bowls or whatever but for me i just think it's really tough going going for the super bowls man because if these guys don't have a good enough team they simply don't have a good enough team and that's where it becomes really tough for me because brady's been very fortunate to be on these great teams a lot of it because of him obviously but belichick is probably still getting them at least in that competitive spot whether he's there or not you know
0: what i mean so let me let me close the book on this with one last hypothetical. If Because I don't trust the Packers, uh, GM, or management to put a good team around Rodgers, and there are rumors that if he asks for a trade, you know, what have you, the only way Rodgers at this point can get uh, knocked down a peg for you would be, it's kind of the inverse, where you're, not intentionally, but you're knocking Brady for when he's out, the Patriots still do well. The inverse would have to ha- have to happen for Rodgers if he were to get knocked down. Where if he were to be put on on, let's say, let's say the Rams were able to replace Goff with Rodgers, some freaking nature like that, or or the Chiefs who have a, like offensive juggernaut, right? And if for whatever reason they're putting up sub-14 points, then all of a sudden you're like, what the hell? This is on Rodgers, because before Rodgers got here the offense was kicking, and all of a sudden with Rodgers, the offense sucks. Like, that's the only way Rodgers could get lower down for you, basically. If, if you put him on an offensive juggernaut and he's doing worse than what he's doing with the Packers. Is that true? Yeah,
1: or he would just have to go out and, per- you know, yeah, or he- he would just have to not perform well in his current situation. Well, and, to be fair, I think
0: if, if you yeah, not not to cut you off, if he performs well, if he doesn't perform well with this team, it's gonna be like kind of um there's that time between the Brady, uh our recent the Seattle Super Bowl and uh before that uh two back to back or three feet, I forget. Yeah, the three feet, whatever. He, like he had Caldwell, yeah, Roshe Caldwell or whatever, like these horrible wide receivers, and all of a sudden Brady's numbers weren't looking amazing, but then it's because the team around him wasn't that amazing. Wouldn't people just say if he starts doing bad that Team him is that bad? Like uh, aren't people just gonna have that? So,
1: because I think I don't think so, because I think that generally good the quarterbacks perform relatively close to like what their ability is. I mean okay. so Aaron Rodgers, for example, like on a down year, he you can see that the weapons around him are not, you know, are not great, for example, and what may end up happening is that he throws one or two less touchdowns per game and maybe uh maybe an interception here. But it's not like he's gonna go out there and start like throwing more interceptions than touchdowns you know what I'm saying it's just basically like the numbers may cut down he may go from throwing 40 touchdown passes to 30 touchdown pass and you know maybe maybe instead of 40 touchdown passes and seven interceptions to like 30 touchdown passes and seven interceptions or something like that you know and then I think you'll see it and you'll be like ah you know I don't really think that it's necessarily like his talent level that went down I think that you can look and you can see that like his weapons are just not good or you could point to like specific spots where his guys drop the pass in the end zone or, you know, something like that. I mean, but I think that those quarterbacks are still going to be relatively close to what they are. I don't think that being in a bad system is going to knock them down so much that you're going to start questioning their ability, I guess, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, the only example I can think of is the Chiefs, right, where... I mean, with I'll put it to you this way: it seems it seems like they have the biggest offense weapons with Kelsey, Hunt, and Hill, but Mahomes is getting all the credit. I mean, I'm sure like the other guys yeah. are getting credit, but everyone's making Mahomes seem like he's a world beater. And I'm not saying he's not great, but I guess what I'm saying is like it's gonna be hard to separate his uh, contribution versus the insane offense team. And then then saying Andy Reid is an offensive you know genius, so like it's it's really hard to separate. You know, you could <laughs> if their GM was like a Danny Ainge and sell high. High, how many teams would give up like I don't know how many years of first round picks for Mahomes at this point? And if, if it's not really him and it's more like all these offensive positional players are kick, are clicking and Andy Reid's clicking and he just has a suitable quarterback, then everyone who thinks Mahomes is like a god all of a sudden, then they're going to be like, so, oh, it was more the system.
1: Yes, yes. Except for the fact though that you still got to take into account that we saw this same exact system with pretty much the same exact players last year and the previous years with Alex Smith, So and he so, didn't do anything. So, Hear what 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 uh, Mahomes is doing this season. Okay, like, okay. I mean, Alex Smith's best season by far was last season. Okay. No, no. So no, I, so Alex
0: Smith's best. Yep. Sorry. No, no. I, I agree. But, yeah. So, I, go but I, I think the conclusion is then that Alex Smith is nowhere near as good as Alex uh, Patrick Mahomes. But that doesn't say how good Patrick Mahomes is. Then I don't know Philip Rivers or uh, I'm trying to think of the mid tier guys, right? So if if we're trying to say that Alex Smith isn't near Patrick Mahomes, it, 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 it it's not the narrative that Patrick Mahomes is already in the upper tier of. The the top five quarterbacks, which seems like everyone's trying to say all of a sudden, it, I mean it seems like that's the narrative. Right, well he looks I mean, just to be fair, I mean Patrick
1: Mahomes to me look like a young Aaron Rodgers okay, so like that's the comparison that I would make for Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't I wouldn't compare him to like a Cam Newton, he's a way better passer than Cam Newton Cam Newton <laughs> nowhere's near, nowhere near the passer that Patrick Mahomes appears to be just arm talent wise like uh, Cam Newton is extremely inaccurate, um, he's got a strong arm he's got a rocket arm but he doesn't make good reads most of the time he makes a lot of poor reads and he misfires way too much uh whereas Patrick Mahomes for example you would expect that Patrick Mahomes just going to get better because he's he's got the arm talent it's not like a similar situation to like Dak for example okay like Dak the question with Dak was like okay well he came out and he had that great rookie season right well yeah but he never was able to make the throws that Mahomes makes you know what I mean like it's very different like there They're running an offense where he can shoot the ball downfield, whereas, like, Dak Prescott was more like an RG3, where they were playing, like, all these, like, short little dink and dunk routes um, and those types of things. So I think when you look at Mahomes, to be fair, I mean, what he's doing shows where he stacks up. Because, like, Alex Smith, for example, is like that prototypical game manager. You You could probably take Alex Smith and say he's somewhere in the area of, I don't know, 15 to 20 maybe like you could probably be fair and be like alright he's not gonna he's not gonna kill you he's not gonna lose a ton of games but he's not gonna win a ton of games for you he's gonna go out and he's gonna like be be good with the ball he's gonna protect it he's gonna throw for whatever you know a decent amount of yards a couple touchdowns but he's not really gonna go out and like wow you you know what I mean so I would put him probably in that 15 to 20 range okay and when you take that and you say okay he's in that 15 to 20 range with that same exact Kansas City Chiefs team and then you take Mahomes and you See what he's done. So, for example, like last season, uh, Alex Smith threw something like uh, like 27 touchdown passes and seven interceptions. Okay, for 4,000 passing yards. All right. So that you look at that and you're like, wow, that's pretty damn solid. You know what I mean? Like 4,000 yards is kind of like okay, it's not. Again, he's not blowing you away. it's not like he's blowing you away downfield but then when you look at what uh, Mahomes has done this season in what nine games uh so nine games so just over half season he's throwing 29 touchdown passes seven interceptions so he's done just getting the ball in the end zone <laughs> he, he he's already eclipsed what Alex Smith did in the entire season last year like touchdown passes wise and he's got uh just under 3,000 yards so at this pace while I don't I don't think he's going to keep up this exact pace I mean he's on pace to, to throw for almost 6,000 yards not going to happen but he's going to probably he's going to throw for over 5,000 yards and that's where I think you take that and you say that's what that's what shows you that he's in a completely different tier than like Alex Smith for example if he's if Alex Smith is 15 to 20 then all of a sudden you you look at what Patrick Mahomes is doing you got to say that's at least top 10 if not potential to be much better if that makes sense Uh, yeah I,
0: I think that makes sense it's I'm still I'm still struggling with I think back to say that Peyton Manning Ryan Leaf draft right like where, again, I didn't know Ryan Leaf that well, but from what I hear that he had a rocket arm, He, I think Payne might have been a more accurate passer. I think Ryan Leaf was supposedly the better athlete, if I don't recall, but, I, again, you obviously know much more about football than I do. I guess it's hard to look past the technical and the physical and the throws and the numbers to the the decision-making, the audibles, the uh, when to be best. Right, but you got it, when- though. That's
1: the difference. That's the difference between Ryan Leaf, though, and Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Ryan, uh, Mahomes is doing it. You know what I mean? Like, we're only... Comp- Comparing Ryan Leaf and Peyton Manning to what their production in college was versus what their potential was supposed to be in the NFL. So Ryan Leaf came in the NFL and he wasn't that guy. The difference for me is that Patrick Mahomes is doing it in the NFL. So he's showing they he can do it and he can do it at a ridiculous rate. So like for him to completely fall off that now, he may come back down. There may be like a sophomore curse, like a sophomore slump. But at the pace that he's doing it and the ability that he showing for like the arm talent he has like even if he comes out and has a slump next season I don't expect it to be like anything close to like what you'd see from like a Dak Prescott because Dak can't throw you know what I mean he, he doesn't he can't do the things that Mahomes does so Mahomes is doing it
0: in the NFL it seems it seems like you're buying all the Mahomes stock so like if I said over under 0.5 MVPs in his career you're 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 buying you're way buying the over you're you're definitely he's winning one or more MVPs in his lifetime well yeah
1: I mean I guess based on the fact that I, I want to see how he, I want to see how the adjustments happen I mean I, I'm not I don't believe he's going to be this quarterback for the rest of his life like I don't oh. think he's going to have I a, a I don't believe that he's going to have a 129 QB rating and throw for 6,000 yards every season okay so am I buying a certain amount of hype I'm buying the amount of hype where I believe that he has the potential to be probably he, he has like this the high ceiling where he could potentially be like the next Aaron Rodgers I think he's got that type of arm talent Whether he continues to work to be that is a whole different story because it's not just about like the amount of ability that you have. You know what I'm saying? It's about like how well you're able to adjust once other teams figure you out. So like once teams figure out what his his biggest strengths are and they start to take those away, is he going to work hard enough to be Aaron Rodgers and be Tom Brady or Drew Drees? I mean, I I guess I don't know, but I think that he's got the talent to possibly be that. I I don't think he's going to be, I I think in his best seasons outside of this year, I think it'll be closer to like what Aaron Rodgers does on a regular basis not not what he's doing right now I mean if he does what he's doing right now he's gonna be the greatest quarterback of all time like I'm not gonna say that right now you know what I mean and it's not even close like no quarterback's ever done this (laughs) you know what I'm saying so it's hard to
0: like it's hard to to look and see what he's gonna be I guess
1: is, is what it comes down to
0: I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a contrarian or or not like the guy. If anything, I find him wildly entertaining. But again, I, I hate keep on going to basketball. But like again, Will Chamberlain puts up 100 points, but Bill R- Bill Russell wins the chip. Sure, that was his team. Sure, you know Red Auerbach, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I guess my point is like, you can put up all the numbers you want, but when it comes to the important games, and if he chokes, that's all that matters to me. Like it, it right? Oh, like that, the, the Tom Brady year when they were beating teams, like kind of that Fu season. I distinctly remember when they beat the. Chiefs and it was like 49 to like a single digit. They went for a touchdown anyways and it was just like F you to like the whole league. Like, I, I think when you're beating a team and kind of that um, that meaningless, meaningless kind of extra point time, it, I mean, they're like crushing teams but like, I want to see how he does in the playoffs and again, that's not fair because he hasn't had a chance to prove himself yet in the playoffs, so that's really not fair and then again, they're they're notoriously bad defense, so he could put up monster numbers and still lose to use this bad defense. I guess what I'm saying is like, for me personally, I've been burned in the past from buying too much hype in these NFL quarterbacks. My only examples off the top of my head are your Cam Newton, like lightning Rod. Like I thought this guy was going to be the future. Um, RG3, that's a different story because of injury. Andrew Luck, I think, you know, he was supposed to be the most NFL prepared quarterback ever. And again, he another injury. He's person. overrated to me. Okay. And, no, no, and I agree with you. Now, maybe I drink too much of that NFL Kool-Aid, but the same thing's happening with Mahomes. And I, I certainly hope he's the next Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I find Aaron Rodgers wildly entertaining. But at the same time, if he's putting up all these numbers. Numbers and um, it's kind of like that Marty Schottenheimer. It's kind of like the Chargers all over again. I loved that Chargers team. Sure, I loved beating them. That made it that great. But your Rivers, your LT, they're putting up all these numbers. And again, like the greatest show on earth, all these offensive wizards. And the Cardinals, when they were that good that year with Palmer. and like. But then, like, when there's no substance and you're not you're not doing anything with substance, you're not winning conference championships, you're not in the Super Bowl, then it's like you're putting up all these numbers kind of, you know, stat crunching, I guess. Like, I, I care more about winners than number, number and again, you can't. Oh, finish. Of goal. absolutely. He can't control the defense. Yeah, he can't control the defense. So he might be trying to win all he wants, but if he's not doing it on the biggest stage, it kind of sucks. Like, like again, I hate to keep on going with basketball analogies. Vince Carter, he puts up the greatest dunks I've ever seen in my life, but he never sniffed the uh, championship. He might have with the Dallas Mavericks. I don't know. if he, I don't think he was on that team. But like, yeah, he didn't come close to a championship. So I'm like, okay, Tracy McGrady. Yeah, amazing. I think you've got to
1: hold. the, I, I think the thing with, with what your, your analogies though Always, is like yeah.
0: you've got to you've got to hold the basketball player. To a
1: way different standard than you hold the football players because like those guys should be if you're the best basketball player in the NBA like you have no reason to not at least be competing for championships which LeBron does so like the difference between like winning those championships like that's why I hate the basketball analogy when um, when talking about quarterbacks is because like like I said I mean if you're the best player in the league in the NBA which LeBron is like you should at least be taking your team to the championship and which LeBron does. If you're the second best player, you, you should be somewhere in that vicinity, like Westbrook, for example. You've got Westbrook, or you've got Kawhi Leonard, or you've got those guys who are or Durant, obviously. But Durant didn't get it done until he went to the Golden State. But for me, like, I just I can't compare a quarterback to anything even close to resembling the NBA, because the expectations are just way different. I mean, you're going to be on a team, like, if you're Mahomes, for example, you could be on a team that gives up 60 points a game, and you may never sniff the playoffs, no matter how great you are. And so I think that's where it's like you you can't make that comparison but Mahomes you can only look at what he's done right now he's 8-1 he's done you know he's played the games there in front of him and he's played very well in all those games even the game that he lost played well Um, but I'm not going to go nuts like out of my first year and say that this guy's the next greatest quarterback of all time like I'm not going to do that but I'm going to say if you look at what he's done to this point like you have no choice but to at least be impressed by it because nobody I mean nobody has put up the numbers that he's putting up I mean it's, it's it's like it's otherworldly and like I'm not seeing anything to show that it's like a fluke like I, to me quick. I'm not looking at it when I watch quick. him play and I'm not like well it's because defenses don't
0: know him like he's very talented so that's where the difference is quick quick question again all these guys all his offensive weapon who people have his people have Kelsey as the best tight end over Gronk which I think is fair Kareem Hunt as yeah. top one top two running back Tyreek Hill top three wide receivers Andy Reid again you know, people have his have issues with him, but you know, I think he's top I I don't know, top third, top ten coach. I mean, I, I agree with you. Nobody's done what he's done. But is it also fair to say that no rookie or t- technically a sophomore has ever had this team around them? Like, I, I, I'm, no. trying to think of, I'm trying to think of Aaron Rodgers or the uh, other quarterbacks or Peyton Manning. He definitely didn't have this team with him. I, I can't uh, think of any- I
1: think other teams have had. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah, no, I no, think, no. I think other teams. I, I don't think that – I don't think the Kansas City Chief weapons are anything ridiculously special. I think Kareem oh. Hunt is a good running back. I yeah. think he's a good running back. But I think that we're seeing Kareem Hunt benefit from the what Mahomes is able to do as a quarterback. Again, I mean, this is the difference between, like, Dak Prescott and Mahomes and Zeke. Because if you put Zeke and Kareem Hunt, Zeke is a far superior talent than Kareem God. Hunt. I love oh. Kareem Hunt. I love the guy, okay? I love his attitude. I love his ability. Um, but just, like, physical skill set, Zeke is a better physical tool than uh, than Kareem Hunt is. As is Saquon Barkley, for example. Saquon Barkley is more, sure. much more talented than Kareem Hunt. But what we're seeing from from Kareem Hunt is, in my opinion, a byproduct of what Mahomes is able to do through the air. I don't think that they've got the greatest offensive line. I think they've got a decent offensive line, but I think that there's your clear difference <clears throat> between what an offense is capable of and what a running back can do if he's on a team that a quarterback can make the plays that he makes. So I don't think that Ty- Tyreek Hill is a he's a speed guy. You know, he's not like uh he's not like a Michael Thomas or a julio jones or uh or like one of those guys he's not he's a fast he's a speed guy he can run some good routes but most of his stuff is either like a go like where he's just gonna flat out burn a guy or he's gonna catch the ball like on a screen and take it 70 yards like he's not like a physical freak of nature that like he's gonna go up and make like crazy catches you know what i'm saying he's a guy that like you need that quarterback to be able to unleash that 70 yard throw down field to get the ball to him down there because he's so fast but it's not like he's an all-world wide receiver.
0: You know what I mean? Got it. Got it. Like he's very good. I'll take him. I mean, I'll take him on my team. But no, yeah, I definitely think Mahomes is in that upper echelon. Quickly shifting gears. I mean, it's funny. We're talking about all these guys, Rodgers, Brady, and, you know, Breeze is like, what about me? And I I think in that generation, those three guys are easily 1st ballot Hall of Famers. And Goff is an interesting situation where it's like a roller coaster where he's drafted high, you know, with Jeff Fisher. He looks like he's about to get waived and look like he's um, a horrible pick. Um, and then all of a sudden, he's... Uh, where, where would you have him? Top, top 10 at this point? Goff? Goff? Uh, yeah. I
1: mean, he's probably like okay. on the verge of that, but like, okay. see, I think Goff like the complete opposite situation. Like, I think I'm impressed by Goff because he can make the throws. Like, He can make those throws accurate, and he does what he needs to do to like win games, but I think that that offense is for me, is so much more built around what Todd Gurley is able to
0: to do. Got it. You know so what I, mean? I th- Like Todd Gurley you know
1: for me is a freak of nature in that offense.
0: I think I know your answer. I'm going to feel bad for Goff when you say it. But so in terms of an extra win or one less win, I feel like I know what you're going to say is if Alex Smith was on that team, there's no difference in terms of their win loss. Or you wouldn't go that far. Oh, on the Rams. Yeah. Um, you can switch golf with Alex. I Smith. think.
1: I think. I think. Uh, yeah. I think that's a great comparison. I, I honestly believe that it's pretty close. I think it'd be pretty close. I think what Goth is doing right now is he's managing like God. I, I don't think he's become like that like world beater quarterback yet I'm I'm impressed by okay. the guy he's a number one pick so I think he can do it but what he's doing at this point for me is still much more of a representation of what his coaching staff his offense has been able to do and what Todd Gurley's done like Todd Gurley's opening it up for God like so his his throws are like he's got guys that are in one-on-one coverage because they have to put so much attention on um, Todd Gurley which is very similar to what the Cowboys offense should be. So that's a clear difference between what Goff and Dak is, for example. Goff is doing it. Goff is doing what the Cowboys need Dak to do. But I think it's more based on the fact that that offense is built a certain way and Goff is able to make the throws that Dak isn't able to make, if that makes sense.
0: No, no, that that makes perfect sense. Um, just so I completely understand it, and I used to do this with NBA where like you you take one draft, and but you add the previous four years, and then you say if you're to redraft out of the last five years, you know, you could argue the top pick of one year doesn't make top ten out of the last two years. Like it's just it's such a roller coaster of graphics. But I, I'm curious where you have Goff compared to say the that rookie quarterback class that just came in the, the top four basically. Yeah. Like because you're so high on Baker, high, it, obviously Goff you've seen more of his work, but like <laughs> compared to the potential of these four rookies, and you you calling Goff not 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 like a knock on him, but like vanilla, a game manager, not really going to win your game. But again, maybe as he develops, maybe. He develops that, but at this point, he's just a game manager versus Baker, who's shown like he could win a game, maybe. But out of curiosity, how would you have Goff compared to these four if you were to redraft the whole draft in terms of quarterback?
1: Um... Is
0: he better than those
1: four? I think I would still, I think I would, I think I would still take Baker over Goff. I still like Baker. Um, okay. That's I still right. like what Baker. It's tough to argue against Goff right now, because when, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, but, exactly. uh, I, I still, I still like Baker. I think that, I think Goff, you could probably put close to maybe Darnold and somewhat close to uh, to uh, Josh Rosen. I okay. think Allen still has a lot to prove. I think Goff would be more talented I think right now because I think Allen still has so much. Goff is like the opposite of Allen. He's very accurate. You know what I'm saying? He got can drop go. those pinpoint passes. Uh, so so he's very different than what Josh Allen is. Um, but yeah, I mean, progression-wise, you've got to be very impressed with what Goff has done. I mean, you can't knock him for his success. I mean, he came on I mean he, he you know he developed last year but what he's doing this year is, is on a whole other level but I think you got to attribute a lot of that to the to the team you know what I'm saying sure versus, uh, it's, anything else
0: it's surprising to me I, if you told me the NFC championship was not going to have the Vikings or Eagles I'd be like you're crazy do you think the Rams Sayings, do you think this was a sneak peek of a potential NFC championship
1: oh definitely I think that those are depth those are far and above the best two teams um in the NFL right now in the NFC uh, sorry in the NFC right now um I think that those two teams are without a doubt the, um, the best uh, the best teams in the NFC. I, I don't know who's going to be able to knock them off. I think I think there will be some teams that can play with them, but um, if you just look down the line, I mean, the NFC East is a disaster. Uh, the South, um, yeah, I mean, the Saints are the class of the South, and uh, yeah.
0: So, what do you think about the Vikings and the Eagles? You you think they have a chance, or they're just not there this year? The Panthers,
1: um, you know, their their defense just hasn't been. I don't think the Pan, I'm, I'm not that impressed by the Panthers okay um i think anything can happen i mean the, the vikings the vikings did play with the rams to an extent i mean but i don't think that they're quite as good i think the rams when all said and done the rams defense hasn't even like peaked yet i mean um uh what's his name hasn't even played um uh the quarterback the cornerback they traded for um talib oh i mean yeah, yeah. he hasn't he's even played yet. he's one of the best cornerbacks in, day, in uh in the in the nfl so i they haven't even completely peaked and then they made a trade to you know get to to strengthen up their defensive line linebackers so um, they, I, I, those two teams should be meeting up in the NFC championship there's no question
0: speaking about two teams that met for a championship um, I know your favorite topic so I may or may not have uh, had some time to party with the Red Sox at a, at a little shindig where uh, I got champagne showered and um, I gotta say I was around for the 2004 team and uh, you know it's hard not to love Poppy but um, I, maybe I'm more invested in this World Series and like it was it was kind of more dramatic for me, but uh I guess I guess because the Astros were so good and I think Vegas had the Red Sox losing to the Astros for whatever reason. So it wouldn't be fair to call them an underdog. I, I just rode them the whole playoffs and it was like really exhilarating. Um it was not as dramatic as it was not as competitive. I, I think last time we talked we were hoping for seven game series. Um sure I'm not complaining that they won it in, in, in four, uh in five rather. But um yeah, I mean w- what are your thoughts? I mean I I'm so <laughs> so happy with this team from like I actually thought I thought the MVP was played a raw deal I didn't mind Pierce winning it I in no particular order but never so slightly Evaldi won a David Price one B but again I didn't mind Pierce winning um, the World Series MVP but yeah what did you think about the
1: World Series um, I mean it I, to me it wasn't over overly entertaining I mean it was like a it was like a hammer to a nail for me like the Red Sox just of the clear better team and I think we knew that going in so it's like if the Dodgers were going to win that series they were gonna have to overcome not being as nearly as good of a team. Uh, so how much of that? Kind of what game happened you watch? Oh, I watched the entire game. I watched that entire game. They didn't get. Wow. <laughs> I, I thought. Yeah, that was a game.
0: Yeah. I, I'd be lying to say I didn't get a little emotional watching Evaldi pitch basically a full game in in extra innings. I, I don't know if I've ever seen that. And the guy was just like it's almost like a, like a script or some movie you wrote right. It would have been a perfect ending if he if we were to win that game given his performance. But like it, 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 yeah, watching that guy pitch but then lose with Home run. I was like, man. And then you hear all the stories where I forgot one of the pitchers like stayed with him, and like I don't know. It was just it was just a crazy game. Um, But I agree with you. It was not as competitive a series as I was hoping. But
1: yeah, it was. uh, I I just I expected this Red Sox team to win. I mean, they're the best team in the league this season, and um, and you know they did what they were supposed to do. So uh, I mean, personally,
0: I felt good about our bats and our offense. But man, Kimbrel, I, I never felt good. So with I mean, Cora. I, I don't know i don't i, I don't know the narrative of him, of him other than being a first year uh, manager going into the postseason but I, I mean all his moves some some questionable some unorthodox in terms of starters being relievers and all this stuff like that um yeah i mean i don't know if that was a byproduct of Kimbrell being so um, unreliable in, in the postseason or he had he had that plan you know um, the whole time but yeah you know our pitching was a concern to me David price obviously Kimbrel, sale like i never felt Great about, and I always felt like a hot pitcher or two. Like if, if Verlander was hot, or um, yeah, any hot pitcher basically could have just you know taken out our bats. But um, I guess you felt more confident about the Red Sox than I did, basically.
1: Yeah, so their starting pitching, uh, like their starting pitching, looks better in the postseason than it did in the regular season. So I thought, based on what they were in the regular season, totally. they were still better because Kershaw, like for example, Kershaw is obviously one of the best pitchers in the league he stinks in the postseason so mm-hmm. I didn't really expect Horrible. Kershaw to like go out and dominate the Red Sox it's just that he hasn't been a good postseason pitcher and then if you look at past that nobody on the Dodgers really scares you you know I mean and offensively he just knew they weren't going to stack up offense so I think based on that is why I had confidence in them because you know Price wasn't fake Price and Avaldi were already faced a much better offense team and they, they relatively they shut them down and that was the game and, and Houston for, for that matter I mean both them, you could argue with better offensive teams. I mean, you know, the Yankees are a much more powerful team, and they were able to, you know, get it done against them. So I just had no reason to believe that they wouldn't get it done against the
0: Dodgers, I guess, is is kind of where I'm at. You know? Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can, so I couldn't hear you. Okay. Uh, So um, I can hear you. Um, There's been a lot of talk about what people are going to do, what the Stillers are going to do with Lavey on Bell. I actually heard something interesting on a podcast. Um, I I was kind of. I would. It would be so much drama if it happened. But basically, what I heard was: so Le'Veon Bell, if he reports back, um, more or less half the season, he would get paid seven million. And so the Steelers, if they were to franchise tag him, where they have to pay like one hundred twenty percent, one hundred forty percent of his salary, they would argue: oh, he sat out, you know, eight games or nine games, whatever. So we're gonna pay him seven million, and then we're gonna franchise him, pay one hundred twenty percent off the seven million, not one hundred twenty percent off the fourteen million. I was like, wow, that would be really shady or sketchy. So. He would almost be incentivized to sit up the whole season because then the franchise tag would, would be off of his last salary, which was fourteen million, as opposed to the Steelers pulling a quick one on seven million. But then the guy that was saying on the podcast was saying um, the NFLP totally not be cool with that and you know. but it, I don't know. It's it's rather interesting. I mean, it's somewhat unheard of. Uh, forget about all the fantasy stories where people that tried to draft him early and play that game. But from a competitive football experience, I, I don't know how he possibly goes back into that locker room, no matter how. Good he is you know under basically all these guys playing their hearts out you know for money of course but and then this guy comes strolling back in although he's that good that you want him but to your point Connor has been pretty suitable so I mean what are your thoughts about what Le'Veon Bell is doing what do you think he's gonna do and you know how do you think this is gonna affect the Steelers and, and, and them welcoming him back if he does come back uh, I
1: don't think they should welcome back I think he's a crybaby I think he's a crap team player and I think yeah, I'm just I'm tired <laughs> of his crap I mean he's been crying for two seasons now. He's completely, like, left his entire team hanging. Like, you know what? They don't need him. Plain and simple. They simply do not need him. Like, not one bit. And they've got this young guy, John. uh, they've got Connor, who is uh, I mean, he's doing everything that that Bell does. So, for me, why are you even going to waste your time bringing him back and paying him all this money when James Connor is doing everything that he does? Like, he's been way more than just, Connor's been way more than just, like, suitable. You know what I mean? I mean he's been phenomenal. Like it, it, just looking at his statistics right now, he's. All right, let's see. Where's, where's Connor at? Okay, Connor, 151 so, carries, 706 yards, 4.7 yards per carry, nine touchdowns, and he's been effective in the in the receiving game as well. He's got 379 receiving yards. Like he's basically doing what Le'Veon Bell does. So, so the Steelers are 100 percent right. They don't need Le'Veon Bell at the price tag that he's asking.
0: I, I, I'm more curious about your insight. Let, let, let's just say, for instance, Connor gets. Uh, um, injured or something like that. So now now they need him. And I guess I'm more curious from your your previous football experience, you know, in the team locker room. How like what are your feelings if there's a there's a guy that's just unequivocally better than like he's a game changer, he's a world he's a world beater. Do those guys yeah, well, in the locker room like do they do they get preferential treatment, you know, if they're late for practice, if they're not a good teammate, if they're snobby around teammates whatever. In your experience have you excused that kind of behavior for the talent of somebody? Or how does that come off in the locker room? I think, like, to an extent, you kind mm-hmm. of, you know, players, to an extent, get a little bit
1: of a break. I mean, just, that's just the way it is. I mean, there's always going to be, like, the guys where you know they're a little bit above the rest of the team. But you kind of hate that. You know what I mean? Like, if you're if you're another player on the team and you're out there busting your butt every day, you expect that every other player that's lining up with you is doing the same thing. And, like, a guy like this, where he just constantly, just, it just seems, like he's constantly crying. it like he's not even giving like realistic like expectations of when he's coming back he even keeps going back and forth on that and I think that the offensive lineman like kind of did call him out and because I think that they're sick of his crap too like you know what you're an NFL football player you're a running back if you want to be an NFL football player get your ass out on the field and play football like you're going to get paid you're a running back okay you're not a you're not a franchise quarterback you're a running back like you're going to get paid what you're worth at some point somebody's going to pay you the Steelers have made the decision that he they do not need to pay him his ridiculous demand which you can look at it and say like okay maybe they are ridiculous maybe they're not you're you're only worth what the market says you're worth okay so is he a top 3 running back in the NFL yes he definitely is but not every team is going to be willing to pay a running back as much money as he wants and that's what it comes down to so if I'm if I'm the Steelers I'm staying right where I am I'm not paying him a dime more than I than I want to pay him for and if I'm another NFL team, I'm actually thinking, probably thinking twice before giving him a big contract. Because to me, all he is is a sniffing little crybaby. And he's left his entire team out there hanging. And I, I, you know, I'm sure that there's guys on the team that have a close relationship with you. you. always want to be close to your teammates and you want to respect your teammates and you want to have their back. But at the same time, like he doesn't have anybody else's back right now. You know what I mean? It's not like he cares about what's going on with the rest of his team. Um, you know, I'm sure that uh, their linebacker would love to be out in field right now and bro- he broke his neck last year, you know what I mean? He's yeah. with the team. Every single day he's with the team. He's there. He's supporting his team. And you got this crybaby sitting at home, you know, whining over a multi million dollar contract. Wait, he's gonna get a crazy contract through the franchise tag as it was, you know, like I get that he wants to do more, he wants a long term deal, but the fact is I just he's going about it the wrong way. Like to me, that's he's just going about it the wrong, completely the wrong way. And that's that's kind of what I see about it. That's my
0: opinion. So let's who doesn't like drama. Let's say Le'Veon Bell, you know, the Steelers, to your point, Connor's fine, we don't need your services, forget you. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what team either in the running now, like in terms of win now, could use the running back, or in terms of on the cost of the playoffs that, you know, Le'Veon Bell could push them into the playoffs? Um, I know the Patriots, you know, were down a running back um, We're using Patterson as a running back. Um, are there any other teams that you think that could use Le'Veon Bell's services that would, you know, really help them?
1: I think any team could use do- Le'Veon Bell's service, but I guess the question is, is like, what, what price does it come in? Like, I think if, if there was, if you didn't have to worry about, like, salary yeah. cap, then any team take a chance on Leon Bell. game one, like the Eagles, the Eagles would be like, probably
0: number one on the list for me. Well, let me uh, ask you this. Let me okay, ask you this. So, to, yeah. Since you said the Eagles right away, and again, I am obviously not good at this because I, I didn't think of Mark Cooper was near at first, but then there were reports that Eagles were trading a second or third for Mark Cooper. That was the offer. If you were the Eagles, what would you offer for Le'Veon Bell? Like, what kind of package of picks or what consecutive years of picks or whatever?
1: Well, I think if you can, I think if you're willing to lock Le'Veon Bell up, or I think if you're willing to pay Le'Veon Bell to be like your future running back for the next seven, six, seven years, then you're not going to find a much more talented running back than him. I mean, I don't think you'd be out of the question to possibly try to get a number one pick, or try to, 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 to give a number one pick for him. I mean, I personally don't want to give up a first-round Pick for a run right back or a wide receiver, but I'd probably be more willing to give up a, a first-round pick for a on Bell than I would for like a, sure. uh, Mark for a Marcus Cooper, for that matter. Um, I, sure. I, I, I would give up sure. multiple. I wouldn't give up multiple picks. I, I, you mm-hmm. know, maybe maybe one maybe one first-round pick. If you feel like your first-round pick, like if you're the Eagles, for example, and you believe that your first-round pick gets you in the playoffs and possibly a run to the Super Bowl, then it's worth it because that pick would probably be like third, you know thirtieth. Pick or twenty you know a twenty nine pick or something I could see him being worth that,
0: you know what i 'm saying, yeah, I hear you um, let 's jump to nFL picks. I think the last time we did this, uh, we picked straight up i'm i 'm technically one ahead of you, although we have a lot of same picks uh, i 'm one ahead of you. Um let's start with the Thursday night game. Great, great Thursday night game. Uh we got Carolina at Pittsburgh. What do you like? It's at Pittsburgh? Yep. At Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um I'm gonna go with Pittsburgh. Yeah, Carolina's been hot, but uh yeah, I'm gonna stick with Pittsburgh myself. Um we got Buffalo at the Jets. Mm, gosh. Uh Jets. Yeah, I'm gonna go with the Jets. I don't Darnold had quite the interception party, but uh Buffalo's not that great, so I'm gonna go with the Jets too. Uh Atlanta Cleveland. Ooh, that's a that's an interesting one. Uh, Oh man, that's a that's a that's a
1: tough one because Atlanta's finally starting to look somewhat decent again. Um, what did they win, thirty eight to fourteen over the Redskins? Uh, yeah. Falcons. Yeah. Um, I think I'll go with Atlanta just based on the fact that they look like they're headed in the right direction and Cleveland coming off of the coaching change look a little bit out of
0: whack. So yeah, I, I'm in the same boat. That recency bias. Yeah, I got the Falcons myself. Uh, Saints at the Bengals. I think this will be a good game. Saints. So, Saints. Okay. I, I'm I don't know. I mean, I definitely think if the Saints were playing the Rams at Rams' home, although although the Rams don't have much of a home field advantage, anyways, I, I'm I'm always curious when Drew Drew Brees plays an outdoor game. But um, I like the Saints too. Um, Washington at Tampa Bay. Ah, uh, Washington. Ooh, I got Tampa Bay. That's magic. Okay. Yeah, um, I, I don't think
1: Washington stop anybody. I like.
0: I mean, not Washington. I'm sorry, Tampa. Bay. Tampa. Bay. Yeah, seems so bad. I, I. You know. I don't know. After After last week, where I think. They I think they're, they easily could have been the Falcons I, I just don't trust Washington anymore so um, yeah. I will say it is getting close I don't know what we we did have it wasn't an official bet where I think I asked you if Winston's going to be on the team or the, I think I asked you is Winston going to be the starting quarterback in week 15 or 16 and I think the reports are that they have to pay Winston if he gets injured so there's it's highly unlikely that they're going to start Winston the rest of the year which is just yeah. mind-boggling
1: they went back to Winston they did yep. I mean, went back and he went just stopped. Yeah, and so then they decided that they want to try to win. They want to try to win the season. They believe that. Um that it's magic gives them the best chance to win the season.
0: So, but not to go totally off on a tangent, Winston does have an arm. If, if for some weird way the Cowboys got Winston and Timber Bay didn't want him, would you feel good?
1: Oh yeah, I mean I'd feel much oh. better about having about have Dak. I mean, okay, the guy is, uh, he was a number one pick. I, I, you know, I, I think talent wise, arm talent wise, he's not even close.
0: You know, I don't know if
1: he's going to become a great NFL quarterback, but I yeah, think potential. He's got a heck of a lot
0: more potential. Dak does. Yeah, I, man, I don't know how. He how I, to give up. Him. That's but, you know, true. I that is maybe true. Cowboys have to give up I mean, a second round pick
1: yeah, that that might be worth. You know what I mean? Because now you got a a, a quarterback that was a number one pick, and maybe you can turn him into uh, something big time. And with this offense, I mean, he's he's got a heck of an offense if, if he was on Cowboys. So
0: yeah, it'll it'll I mean, be just, interesting what the Bucks end up doing with him. Uh, I they don't, can't trade him now. So yeah, exactly. Um, next we got New England at Tennessee. I think we both got New England. I hope. Yeah, I'm picking that. Just shocking. Interesting game, interesting game. Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Now, I think if you're like if you're looking at this game, week two, week three, the line was, would be totally different. But I, I actually peeked at this line. and I wasn't that surprised that the Colts are actually favored. But who do you like here?
1: Uh, I'm gonna go with Indianapolis because uh, they recently. I, I may be a little biased because I picked up their running back um, Marlon Mack, and he looks phenomenal. But um, I think with the, the Colts being able to establish that running game they've done recently, there they it makes them a lot better team. So uh, the Jaguars just haven't been very good. So I think at home, I I think I like um, the Colts in
0: this one. I actually agree with you, but I I can't believe Jacksonville is probably, what, a top five, six Super Bowl potential candidate. That they can suck this bad in uh, this division game. So, like, I I expect them to step up, and um, I'm going to go with the Jags in this one. Um, How about the Lions, Detroit, at Chicago? Good division. Chicago. Yeah, I got Chicago, too. Uh, Arizona. At Kansas City. Kansas. This will be uh, shellacking. Um we got the LA Chargers at Oakland. Oh Chargers, Chargers. I can't vision the old, I can't I can't see Oakland in England right now. Yeah, I think they're definitely going for draft picks at this point. Yeah. Uh, Miami at Green Bay. Green Bay. Me too. Seattle at Rams. Rams. Yep. Same here. Uh ooh, quite the stinker, but this will be interesting. We got the New York Giants at San Francisco. Uh San Francisco. I I love yeah. that quarterback man They're yeah yeah good. same here uh, that'll be you know that'll be another interesting situation I mean sure I'm sure they'll stick with Jimmy G but um, by far the most chaotic craziest memory I have is um, do you remember that guy Flynn who was from the Packers that went to the Seahawks that quarterback I'm sorry who was it his last name was Flynn oh yeah yeah so he had that six touchdown game for that one game that Rodgers sat, sat out for the Packers he looked amazing Seahawks signed him then they get Russell Wilson who looks even better than Flynn and Flynn not even. Even know where he ended up but um, I'm curious what they do with Mullins and Jimmy G at this point, right? Like is, is, if someone's high on Mullins, do you sell high on him? Like do you like Mullins yeah, that much I that you like him better Jimmy. than Dak?
1: Uh I mean right now that's I mean, a strange, okay, okay, just check. I mean we've only seen him play one game. Exactly. I mean, exactly. I, you know we don't know if that's
0: what he's really gonna be. He looks very impressive though, I mean just based off of what we saw in that game he was oh, good a lot of throws. Yeah, yeah, no no his post game interview was great. It was it was pretty amazing. Um yeah, yeah. that's an exception for the games this week um, in terms of this past week and I think there's, there's a lot of good candidates um, I was curious what you had for the game of the week this past week oh it was 10 fans ah okay second yeah I think just based on quality teams and how good that game was um, yeah it, it was awesome I, if we have another repeat of that at NFC championships um, I'll take it I'll take it oh yeah that'd be great cool well um, I think that's all the time we have for this week um, my name is John Lee and I'm Andy hope you enjoy the show you can reach out to us at be nice andy on twitter instagram and be nice andy on facebook talk to you later man all right have a good one bye bye